welcome to Decomposing Worm, Doof Media's second worm analysis podcast. That's Clarence. He's the first-time reader and literary expert. Hello, and that was Matthias. He's read the story before. In this shorter run series, we'll be using critical theory to analyze the superhero web serial worm from a broader perspective, shining spotlights and pulling hidden threads of analysis out. Yeah, so we're going to cover worm in six books, about 300,000 words each, and each will get two different episodes of coverage. Um, Today is part one of book one, the overview episode, Um, so we'll stick close to the text. So this part is going to be closer to the We've Got Worm formula. Today we're covering arcs one through eight. If you haven't read arcs one through eight of Worm, please do, because this is going to be a full spoilers discussion. If you don't know what Worm is, uh, it's a fantastic book um, that totally reconstructs the superhero genre. It's um, I compared it to what Game of Thrones is for to fantasy, Worm is to superheroes. So mm. um, it's online at uh, parahumans.com, so uh, go and read that. Um, before we jump into the like actual show um let's let's just talk about what this show is and what we're we're trying to do here yeah sort of how we're reconfiguring it yeah so obviously there is already a uh, very long running uh a series uh, analyzing worm. It's called We've Got Worm. It's fantastic. If you uh, haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. Uh, where Scott and Matt, um, the other members of the uh, Doofcast, um, go through worm arc by arc, analyzing it. Um, so uh, I, I'm a very long time worm fan. I'm I'm very happy part of Doof Media. Um, I'm the uh, host of another podcast on the network, uh, Do the Right Thing, which is which is for writers. Um, so, uh, of course I'm very interested in this. I really want, uh, Clarence to read all of, all of <laughs> Wildbow's works. Uh, but of course, Worm is the work if you want to get into the parahumans community, right? Um, you can't really have a, you, you can talk about, you know, Twig and Pact and, um, and now Pale without having read the other works, but without Worm, you're kind of losing this. I, I mean, everyone in the community has read it, mm. right? Um, so it kind of becomes harder to talk about if you haven't read that one. Um, but yeah, so Clarence is a is a fantastic uh, poet and writer, and I mean, I, I just love hearing him talk. So <laughs> I'm glad to have you on. I feel Clarence. like every time I'm, that I'm, I speak to you, you're always like singing praises. It's very confusing. Yes, because you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very excited about this too. Yeah, I don't know why you agreed to this because this is going to be so much. But good work, um, good work. It'll yeah, be fun. Fun work. Um, yeah, so for the next uh, three months, we'll be uh, releasing an episode a week um, covering yeah, Worm in, in six gigantic books of varying length. They're, they're typically um, divided into uh, following like a certain plot arc. Um, I think um, re- readers who have already read it will be able to, to see what those arcs and more or less agree on, on where those divisions are. Um, arcs one through eight are always, you know, a good cutting off point. I think, um, there's basically a lot of people say, if you don't like worm by arc eight, you probably won't like the rest of it. I I think that's, that's pretty fair to say. Um, although I, I find it hard to believe anyone wouldn't like the story by arc eight, but whatever. (laughs) Um, anyway, um, yeah, we're, we're really excited to do this. Um, as, as Karen said, this part is going to be closer to we've got worm. Um, it's, um, We'll be going it through it very quickly, arc by arc, um, just covering the, the the most key moments. Um, although we're probably going to skip over kind of a lot of stuff uh, just because of of time. 
We could um, spend like endless hours sitting here and talking about it, but yeah, yes, uh, we Alas. we noticed as we were going through um, our script is is super long. We're gonna see how that goes, um, and we couldn't figure out what to cut, so we're just gonna include all of it and see what happens. Hurrah! Um, here we go. Yes. Um, so of course, uh, if if we do skip over some stuff, uh, we're we're trying to consolidate the discussion of certain points um, into like just just talking about it in one moment. So. Um, what we're going to kind of skim over the bullying at the beginning because we want to talk about it one moment later on. So stuff like that. So don't get mad at us for skipping over something until the very end when we are sure that we totally skipped over it. Right. Um, and of course, uh, next episode will be our, uh, perspectives episode where we're going to write essays and character, um, character studies of, of, uh, minor characters and go even more in depth. So there's even more content over there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when we'll be kind of like pulling everything apart, looking at it different, differently, I suppose, than the more like yes, traditional. Yes, um, I'm really yeah, I'm really excited for the perspectives episode. Um, uh, me too. Yes, a lot of a lot of work uh, putting together stuff that people haven't already said ten different ways, <laughs> um, and hopefully you guys will learn some about uh, critical theory at that point. Hopefully. <laughs> So before the final thing before we uh, start going into the um, more uh, key moment by key moment analysis, mm-hmm. um, Clarence, what did you think of Worm uh, arcs one through eight? Ah, I am very taken with this story, and like even like looking through everything over as we're kind of like you know um, analyzing it. I I don't know. I'm just every time I get more excited about it, and I I don't know. That's it's great. So it's such a fascinating. Um, like a departure, I suppose, from the like, it's a fascinating departure from the super fast pace and like kind of glossing over a lot of things mm-hmm. um, of superhero, uh, of the of the superhero genre. Yeah, it was very fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was um, recommending Worm to someone, I think, like, just yesterday. Um, and I, the first thing I said it was that it was a superhero story, and then they were like, "Ah, I usually find superhero stories like really like bland and mm-hmm. um, kind of well boring." And that is a very fair uh, statement <laughs> until you read Worm, right? Yeah. Um, is I, I think it's kind of the same way of like you know viewing fantasy as like just Lord of the Ring clones, um, and there certainly are a ton of those, and some mm-hmm. of the, the I mean, if you like it, they're great, but if you don't love Lord of the Rings or that kind of story, um, you can certainly feel like, okay, I don't want to read about dragons again. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, Worm is, is like, it's, it's completely different and, and we'll, we'll be going into that more as we go, obviously. But yeah, I, I love the story and I'm, I'm hoping Clarence loves it even more as, as we go. Right. Yes. Hopefully. I'm very excited. I know I've said yes. that like five times already, but. Yes. I mean, it's exciting. I know. It's just, I don't know. I, I just, I really like details, you know, and like Mm -hmm. things that people don't usually think about. And I feel like, particularly from the perspective of Taylor, like we get that so much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Okay. Let's, let's get into it, right? We're going to certainly sing more praises as we go. Um, Okay. So we start arc one gestation with uh, the bathroom scene. Yeah. Basically, so we start off with with uh, Taylor being anxious about um, lunch. I th- one of the first lines is uh, "an hour is too long for lunch," mm-hmm. which is just 
Oh, man. It, it flashes back to high school. Um, she is uh, in the bathroom when the trio pours juice over her head, and then we see her her power, which has her bugs everywhere. Um, so by the end of this chapter, we learn two uh, big things. Um, Taylor wants to be a hero, and that the leader of the trio, Emma, was her best friend. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of the opening? I um, It was a very interesting opening, I think. Um, we Because, like... Even in the midst of like all of this, um, the, like this very like emotional and like anxious sort of like scene, we still see her kind of like thinking through very methodically of like how to approach it and what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of like immediately are like jumping into the way that she thinks and the way that she kind of like processes her surroundings, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really interesting because like a lot of times I feel like it's they're just kind of like figuring it out and you know not really like thinking through, I guess, as much of like the logical approach to it. Um, Yeah. I I mean, we even see that just like just interactions in in the classroom. Um, And at the same time, she's also making like a lot of judgments on people. I I think we see that from the very beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, from from the first scene, uh, Mr. Gladley's, or Taylor is kind of trying to tear down Mr. Gladley Mm -hmm. because, you know, he's trying to be a cool teacher and... That's not good enough for her. Um, yeah, she has like a very specific yeah. way of like justifying her thoughts to herself mm-hmm. um, and all of like the yeah. observations where she's just kind of like stating it where she's like, okay, this is how it is. And so it's all right for me to like feel this way and think this way and like classify these people in these specific, you know, pertaining to like their attributes or like their actions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, what did you think of uh, Taylor's power? I, I think my initial thought was kind of like, how is this going to like be flushed out? Um, but then mm-hmm. I I feel like um, later on, as I kind of saw her in action, uh, it was really, it didn't go the way that I thought it was going to mm-hmm. um, because there was like all these other elements to it besides like, just like this control of like singular bugs. It was, it's very like um, all encompassing, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's, it's interesting that she likes so that she's like very convinced that she wants to be a hero. Um, but she has this kind of like disgusting power. Yeah, well, it's yeah. also like it's very it's like fear, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's very, it's it's a fascinating kind of um, uh, dissonance, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the I, I know um, the community as a whole has you know thought a lot about what Taylor, you know, with her power would be as a hero, mm-hmm. um, and it's always like um, I, I I think she'd be really you know hamstrung with. Um, having to to you know not shove bugs down yeah. people's throats right um but yeah it, it, even from by the end of this arc we see her you know fight lung and we kind of see more of what it can do but even then it's it's not like underpowered but it's not nearly as powerful as it feels later on um like she uses the bugs to sting and and hurt the uh the gang members right yeah. and then as soon as lung you know whips out some fire it's like over yeah, you're kind of like um well here we are now you know it's very it, here it we feels are now. smaller than it ends up being yes mm-hmm. um so the uh, next section uh taylor goes home and we see all the prep work she's done uh, her journal with all her notes which apparently is like her fourth journal or something like that um and the costume that she made herself yeah that one it was it's very interesting because we don't see like the beginning moment of like this superhero montage which is like 
all of the like we we don't see the process where she's just kind of like recounting what she has done like her her like planning mm-hmm. and then we're like immediately at the b- moment where she's like okay i'm gonna go out and do things i've already made all the plans i don't have to worry about like the figuring it out and the origin story and all of this um which i feel like still kind of like aligns with that like we're already in this this kind of like progression of like um like i we're like at the tail end i guess of of the way that mm-hmm. she's of of her kind of beginning which is an interesting place to start. Yeah, this is a whole three months after she got her powers. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, all of arcs one through eight um, is like a month or something like that. Um, maybe maybe even less. Um, it's pretty fast, I think. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we, we don't see the spider bite. I mean, we later learn, obviously, what it is, but we don't see it on screen. Um, and, I, you know, I think that's... it's. This is kind of a, a head of ahead of its time invention. Um, mm-hmm. Like I know, um, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, um, like also has this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we see you know, uh, we see Miles Morales get the the spider bite, but all the other you know um, Spider Verses we see, we kind of skip through that because it's like okay, we, yeah, get, we get it. it. We know we what know an origin it's... story yeah, is. Yeah. We know what it's like to uh, you know start figuring out the power, all the testing and stuff. Even though that's always super fun um but yeah i i also wonder if um uh wild bow um you know there's the the rule um that you're supposed to really start as close to um the action mm. as a uh, possible as, as close to the end as possible and maybe wild bow had been thinking about oh this is all the testing and and stuff that yeah. you know uh, you I can do like but it would be much more can... like like methodical i guess and in in terms of like action mm-hmm and we could just skip over all of that and get to to this. Yeah, yeah. To her first night out. Um, so, yeah, I think this is where we first start seeing how this book is going to subvert a lot of genre expectations. I mean, that already happened with the bugs, but even still. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then Taylor goes and fights Lung, and she nearly dies until a group of mysterious teenage supervillains, mm-hmm. who we'll later learn are the Undersiders, save her. Um, then Arms Master comes to take Lung away, and everyone mistakes Taylor for a villain. Yes, this this is an interesting um, beginning of action uh, because she's not like seeking one particular like she doesn't have like one specific person that she's like going to fight. She kind of like mm-hmm. heads out and is like, "I'm going to fight what, whoever I come across." I suppose, or, or not necessarily. I mean, but I guess what I mean to say is that she doesn't she doesn't have like a particular like tale of vengeance or like that sort of thing. Um, I mean, she certainly doesn't have a, a nemesis. Yeah, yeah. Where she's she's not like actively seeking to kind of like she she doesn't have like a specific tangible goal. I guess she's kind of like mm-hmm. I'm out to be a hero. Yeah, um, and I mean, obviously she does have some you know particular people she hates. Yeah, yeah. But they're unpowered, right? Uh, the, the trio is not. Um, I mean, un- until much until the very end of this this book, right? Um, they are just, um, you know, humans, and mm-hmm. she never. I mean, we'll we'll go through and as she, you know, more and more justifies um, violence against them. But especially, in, you know, this first half of the story, she certainly doesn't let herself even think about, you know, using her power on them. Yeah, yeah, because she has um, that. She has that thought, like on the way back, of like, mm-hmm. this is like a, a thing of she's like accumulating a list of reasons. Yes, but then she's kind of like, oh well, yeah. I'll just put that away and like not think about that. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I, another thing I, I noticed in this, on, on this read through, um, 
uh, we don't really see a lot of like normal um, powered or no, normal like cape on unpowered like crime stopping, yeah. crime fighting. Um, obviously, we're you know most of the story is told through this perspe- perspective of a villain, right? Um, but she goes down this first night. She you know stops that gang, and then she's immediately in a powered fight. And um, I, I think the only time we see like a powered person taking down an unpowered criminal is like uh, the interlude in in arc two with Victoria and Amy. And yeah. I, I think that's just like a interesting um, reversal of that, or not reversal, but an interesting take on that trope of like all heroes start off fighting the unpowered. And in this world, that's not really the case. Yeah, it seems like it's or the that kind of like dynamic of like later on the whole like cops and robbers. Like it's not mm-hmm. there's like two different levels, and the the like non power we don't even acknowledge. I suppose yeah. it's like already I, established I think, that there's this kind of back and forth. Yeah, like they do, but it's not like it's not even really worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, much later uh, we we see you know villains kind of like wiping the floor with the unpowered yeah. if they're unassisted. So, um, yeah. Uh, so then we get our first interlude at the end of arc one. Um, it's in from Danny's perspective. I'm going to kind of skip over Danny because um, we're really going to focus on talking about him um, closer to the end. Mm-hmm. And my character study next week is going to be about, going to be about him. So that's where we'll all talk more about him. Um, but, you know, Danny's really worrying about her. He's afraid of pushing her. Um, and uh, in this one, we get a lot of world building. Um, yeah. Well, also, like, as just as, like, a first mentioning of, like, the interludes, I really like this as, like, a writing aspect to it of, like, mm-hmm. because there's so much that we get to see. I mean, we see, we see a lot with Taylor, but, like, it's a whole nother sort of um, experience, I guess, kind of sitting in all these other people's heads. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I really like that in, in terms of, like, moving from arc to arc, having these kind of, like, moments where we, like, step outside of the main, you know, progression. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember my first read-through, and I I know other people experience this, kind of getting annoyed at interludes, Mm -hmm. um, because I was like, I want to get back to the story, right? You know, I was blitzing through it. Um, But on every single reread, all of the interludes have been my favorite moments um, that I always look forward to and I'm always excited about. Um, Yeah. Uh, in, in this one, um, so the the world building has uh, first the the first pair human scion uh, mm-hmm. appeared, um, and then powered people kind of uh, happen everywhere. This golden age of pair humans when they first started showing up ends when um, the first like costumed hero um, dies in a sports game riot, um, and then there's this quote here, and I think it's kind of emblematic of of what worm is to the superhero genre is. Um, the golden age of the parahumans was thus short-lived. They were not the deific figures they had appeared to be. Parahumans were, after all, people with powers, and people are flawed at their core. Um, yes. And I think, yeah, so, so Worm is kind of, that's almost like the thesis of like, hey, in, in this world, parahumans, or superheroes, are people with powers. They're not Superman, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, there's not this... There's like there's enough of a connection between like parahumans and humans that there isn't that sort of otherworldly sort of separation I think. But then mm-hmm. there's uh, yeah. these other ones that aren't that like appear like Sion and like um later like the Inbring. I don't know. There's there's an interesting sort of like like leveling I guess and like like stratification mm-hmm. I guess. 
okay. between all of the different ones. Because, I mean, like, later on, there's some that are, like, set apart, like, physically, like, in their, like, physicality and, like, the material where they, they like, don't, like, blend in with mm-hmm. everybody else. Um, or, like, yeah. they don't remember who they are before. I don't know. There's just, like... Right, the, the Case 53s. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's another difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as we go through, we... I mean, even from the beginning, we kind of see that this world is more complicated yeah. um, than it seems um, on, on first glance. Um, very quickly, I want to compare Scion to uh, to Superman because mm. um, there's uh, there's a utilitarian um, like trope of an argument basically of uh, like utilitarian utilitarianism like looks at um, Superman and is like, well, that's great that he's that he's you know stopping crime, but what he should do is you know if he's you know un- super fast and you know super strong, he should be either saving everyone constantly. Or he should be like powering a generator or something like that. He should be doing something more useful with his time, yeah. right? And as you know, in this, we kind of see that Sion is kind of that. He's constantly in this this chapter. I think the quote is something like, "In thirty years, he has not stopped," or something like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just think that's a um, that's interesting. I, I think isn't it the term XP? I think. Um, where you take a character from another story and you put it in, in, a, in a different story and kind of see what how it works in a different context. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. um, so then we have uh, Arc 2, Insinuation. Um, I think the summary for this is in which Taylor becomes a fake villain. So we see, we see some more bullying. Um, Mr. Gladly approaches her and like asks if she wants help and but doesn't really try very hard. And Emma brings up Taylor's mom's death and she flees from the school. Ah, uh, Yes. I have more to say about the apathy of Mr. Gladly, like when we talk about all of the bullying and everything. But um, yeah, I, I think this is the moment where I kind of, I was, I could see how much, like, how much of her, like, reasoning, like, the, the like, the flaws in, like, her, her reasoning where she's, like, she doesn't really believe in the school authority, but, like, she still, like, mm-hmm. is buying into the kind of more, like, larger governmental body of, like, uh, with Armsmaster and everything. I don't know. It's it just so, it kind of confused me, but at, at the same point, I was like, there's, I mean, there's not necessarily like an immediate correlation, especially someone who, yeah. like, especially if she's like compartmentalizing of like, this is cool, like this here work. Yeah. I, um, I think so. Uh, she, she hates school authority here, mm-hmm. and, but she, she does trust the heroes as a good organization, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, by the end of this book, um, by the end of arc eight, that kind of falls apart too. And she just kind of hates all authority at that point. Yeah. We kind of see that like progression as it like slowly kind of deteriorates. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, Taylor is offered to join the undersiders and uh, she decides to join um, as a totally undercover cop. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She does a lot of like justifying to herself of like, if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to, like, join them, then I'll have this kind of, like, backup sort of thing. Whereas, like, I'll be, you know, running this long con, all of this. Um, but it's kind of like what I was saying before, where she, like, she builds up these sort of, like, arguments for herself to mm-hmm. kind of, like, justify her decision making. Um, yeah. When also there's, like, the added element of, like, being asked to join this group and, like, being accepted in this kind of, like, friendship capacity. Yeah, it's it's clear from basically the moment she starts talking to them that the fact that they're not, you know, ignoring her or sneering at her, or, you know, contributing to her bullying is like 
already enough for her to like them and like be interested in yeah. them. Um, and then the moment that she's in the, the loft, she's like fascinated with them. Um, yeah. That's very interesting. Uh, I mean, it's also like, I mean, if you've been living for like multiple years where you, there isn't that sort of like acknowledgement, the social acknowledgement, like we need that, you know? So I feel like mm-hmm. it, it's not, it's not unreasonable at all. It's like, it's totally understandable for her to be like this, accept, like this acceptance is something that I have been seeking. And I know it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily align with my whole like plan of becoming a hero. But like, if I gather this intel, I can still kind of like be part of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in the notes, um, I'm not sure if you said it on, on air yet, mm-hmm. but you started using the words like, uh, using words like compartmentalization uh, and rationalization. Yes, yes. Um, and it would, I, I find that fascinating because I really don't think I used those words with you. Um, yeah, I don't but, think you did. And, and, and uh, I think rationalization does show up in the text, but compartmentalization, um, I don't think shows up at all in these arcs. Um, and it, the, what I'm getting at is we've got worm focused a lot on that term, mm-hmm. and I just found it really interesting that you, um, came, like you recognize that um, just as they did, and I think that's just really interesting. Yeah, well, she, I feel like Taylor, like really, she like wants to have control over things. And, like, that's just mm-hmm. kind of, like, her way of creating that is kind of, like, placing things into, like, you know, kind of reasoning it out and being, like, okay, this is where this goes and this is where this goes sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so the the arc two ends with uh, interlude with Victoria and Amy. Uh, they are part of the new wave heroes. So they're unmasked. Um, and Victoria is uh, interrogating a, a Nazi and mm-hmm. uh, injures him and Amy shows up to fix her mistake. Yes, this this was interesting because um, they're both of them are like teen age, um, which um, I mean this is also like it extends to Taylor and the Undersiders too of like teen like they're still building their kind of like their own moral principle like they're still coming to their own conclusions about what they think is right and wrong and like you know where that that like moral you know gray line I suppose is um, and I think. Mm-hmm this like very particular moment with these two um, who are both like heroic and they're both like visible, uh, right? Cause they're unmasked at this point. Correct. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. Um, but they're still kind of like using this like manipulation of like, you know, like threat and torture and, you know, like this sort of, um, I mean, it's not really like, you know, a grand sort of, um, I mean, even, even if it is like this, like, um, Nazi. It was a skinhead, I think, right? Yes. Um, but it's just like, regardless of who the subject is, like they're still utilizing violence and and manipulation in order to like extract information. Um, right. Which, and and they're teenagers. Yeah. They're teenagers. Like, I I don't know. Um, it, it's interesting because it's like the the text is really saying yes, this the skinhead did you know horrifically participate or participate in the horrific um um act of racial violence yeah, uh, yeah. to a, a, a black woman and um, probably like deserve stuff against them. Right. Course, so it's like, yeah, th- yeah, he definitely deserves, you know, whatever's coming to, to him, but should teenagers be the one to dispense that kind of justice? Yeah, who are kind of like exacting that punishment. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think there's some other setup here too. Um, Victoria and Amy are part of new wave. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be unmasked to be accountable. 
Um, but it's kind of really clear from this that they aren't accountable uh, because Amy just clears up the mistake. Um, yeah, and, yeah. you know, the skinhead's not going to go uh, and charge them with anything. And even if they did, her mom's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we start arc, uh, arc three, uh, agitation, in which a bank is robbed. Um, so we start off with Taylor jogging to the boardwalk to meet Brian, and Taylor describes a lot of the city. It's run down, an industrial golden age is long gone, and the remnants are the poor and abandoned infrastructure. Yeah, and and this kind of run, and, and a lot of her like observations about the city in general is like, she she really kind of knows the like layout of it, and she like, she she recognizes the kind of visible inequality and like the dysfunction and you know that kind of rundown of like things not working like she's very aware of that um mm-hmm. which i mean in terms of like her you know more like altruistic reasons of becoming a like a cape and like entering into this like hero capacity is i mean we we see it like where she's kind of you know making all these observations and like um where like her father like even with Danny he's like very um, he's, he's, um, he's, he was working on getting the ferry up and running again, right? Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like, she, she's much more like aware of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So then it makes like us aware of it, but then other people aren't necessarily acknowledging it, which I don't know. I thought it was just like an interesting kind of beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot in this first book about, um, class, and power mm-hmm. um i mean like there's there's some like just looking at the positions of uh various characters right uh taylor's dad is a union leader mm-hmm. um the heroes are generally aligned with uh the upper class right we have um uh victoria's mom is a lawyer uh so is emma's mom or uh, emma's dad my bad yeah mm-hmm. um and uh you know they're they're probably you know protecting these richer areas a little bit more often. Um, the boardwalk you know employs like enforcers to keep out. Um, yeah, where they're just kind of like mm-hmm. they they don't they don't get called out whenever they exact violence. Yes. I mean later on we see that with um, Lisa's interlude right where it's just kind of like they're not gonna they're not gonna get called out they're not going to get called out on it. So there isn't there isn't any sort of like accountability for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, just as another point right uh in arc six right the undersiders crash a fancy you know gala Mm -hmm. right that is basically thrown like for the heroes with the rich right so it's like there's there's some pretty clear alignments here um yeah so i I, i'm just like pointing out these things so if someone did want to write next essay about class and and worm Mm. i think it's very doable yeah absolutely um so uh then they decide to rob, rob a bank they uh bring up their plans within three hours um uh, yeah that was so fast i feel like i didn't it, expect it to be quite so fast yeah um it was yeah they basically like we're gonna go in there we'll take the money and they had a plan for how they're gonna leave that's basically the extent of the plan yeah um the, the, <laughs> their explanation is that it's a robbery not a heist so no need to like look at air events or whatever oh my gosh um yeah. so taylor tries to get the okay from arms master and um, on the way to the bank, uh, Taylor talks to Lisa about the cops and robbers. Yes, and I want to bring that up, but later, because yes. um, there's much to be said yeah. about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a listener question, so we'll dive mm-hmm. into it at the end. Yes. Yes. Um. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a really just like 
the beginning, like the argument that happens beforehand and kind of like they're kind of entering into this space, um, kind of, I mean, not as like, it's not totally haphazardly, but like, it's definitely like fast. Um, mm-hmm. we, we get like a really good glimpse of like the dynamics of the group immediately, um, where there's not really like necessarily a leader. Like, I, I guess Brian is like very, like, he's more of like a visible embodiment of leader, mm-hmm. but like he doesn't hold this kind of like absolute power because Lisa right. also has all this information and she's kind of like this link to whoever it is, you know? Um, I mean, at this point we don't know that's Coil, but it's like, she has that sort of like authority. Right. Um, yeah. And then I, I don't know, at this point I was, I hadn't quite figured out Regent and like how he fit. Cause he's like fairly chaotic until like later on to me. I don't know. Um, but yes. So it was kind of like, all of this trying to figure everybody out. And then Taylor seemed, she, she held more power than I thought she would because mm-hmm. she was just kind of like observing and suddenly everyone's like, well, what are you thinking? And then she ends up yeah. being kind of like one of the final voices. Right. Which I think was an interesting, like immediate kind of jump into, into um, like a semblance of power, I guess, mm-hmm. within the group. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, by trying to include her, she's suddenly given more power than she's been given in a long while. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they rob the bank, um, and uh, the main event here is that a fight occurs between the wards and the undersiders. Yes, there. Um, as this, as like this occurs, like there's an interesting moment to observe uh, with Taylor, um, because when when she's like immediately like, okay, if we're going to have hostages, if I need to keep them quiet and out of the way, she has this this line uh, about that where she's like, I'm willing to terrorize them. Um, mm-hmm. where it's interesting that she like immediately is like, I'm going to use terror as a deterrent, um, to kind of create docility in order to prevent more violence. But like, it's still like this threat of violence instead of, yeah. I, I don't know. It was just, it's very like, um, I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem very heroic to me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. She views fear as, as better than outright violence. Yeah. Um, so there's two things I want to point out there. Uh, one, she's not just threatening violence, like pain. Mm-hmm. She's threatening death because a Black Widow will kill you. So she she has five Black Widows on all these people. So yeah. it's like they have five guns pointed at them. Like it's it's um, it's kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she has total control. So it's not like, you know, with with a gun, it's kind of like, oh, no. You know what? It's not just, you know, they could kill me. It's like they could do by accident. Yeah, yeah. Um, But... Yeah, that's I. There's there's at least one, you know, person in there that like cries, and that's mm-hmm. super valid. <laughs> um, and, and the other thing is uh, Taylor's power is almost always just plain horrifying to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that with Clockbocker, who has bugs inside his mouth when he freezes them all. Um, just... So when they unfreeze, they're all going to crawl out his mouth one by one. Uh, yeah, it's Jesus just, Christ, Taylor! It's, it's it's quite the visual. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also with like with that terror that she has. She she is very like controlled like in that because like mm-hmm. what you were saying before about like the difference between like the spiders and like the unpredictability of a gun is that it's it's not her power is very exact, um, yeah. which I, I, fits very well with her. Um, and it's also I was I was surprised like how capable she was like in the fight. Like she was very aware of what was going on and like kind of reading everything um 
like reading kind of like the the uh, scope of the battle or not battle I mm-hmm. suppose but like the fight um, as it was progressing, which I feel like right. there's there's usually like more like chaos I guess um, yes. when I think of like the visuals of fights, but she's very like aware of what's happening kind of like that the changing dynamics of it mm-hmm. um, which is very interesting just in terms of like her fighting ability yeah I, I think um, it would be very easy to write a whole essay on just how Wild Bo is writing fight scenes in yes. Worm oh and uh, yes. you know maybe we will in a in a future perspectives episode mm-hmm. um, yeah uh, so it, the next uh, beat here is um, Gloria Girl crashes through the building and we realize that Amy has been here this whole time and uh, Tattletail and Taylor have to kind of outsmart them and um, they're kind of cruel here. They are. Um, and it's it's in a way that it's like there is that manipulation again, but like it's it's not necessarily like physical violence anymore because, I mean, it's Tattletail mm-hmm. um, and Taylor's yeah. kind of like just like and not just, but yeah, she's kind of, you know, backing her up. But like, we see that kind of the the violence that um, like words hold. And we see that later mm-hmm. as well. But like, this kind of like power of, of um, revealing knowledge. Yeah. Um, and kind of like the, the violent after effects of that. Um, yeah, definitely. But like in a, in a very like intimate, like interpersonal way, mm-hmm. um, which is a totally different dynamic of like, physical violence yeah 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 um yeah i think that's definitely worth examining in the future yes um so arc three finishes with the interlude with the wards um so they break down the fight and uh in the process pick uh taylor's um cape name skitter Mm -hmm. um and also amy has a talk with gallant yeah this one it was really interesting because uh we got to see even more so than like the interlude with um, uh, Amy and Victoria, right? That was mm-hmm. what happened. Okay, sorry. Um, is that we see kind of like the all of the like assumptions that Taylor has made about heroes and about capes, about like their inherent like morality, I guess, and like mm-hmm. you know, kind of um, altruistic reasons for doing good um, gets kind of like deconstructed, and and we see kind of like the messiness i guess of of these teenagers who are who have been thrust into this like into the public eye and into this expectation of being good and like doing doing like you know civic justice and such um but at the same time we kind of like see this very like um almost this kind of lack of awareness in terms of like the collateral damages yeah um which there's like a whole another a side of of like collateral damages and like how a uh, well like depicts that um mm-hmm. later on but there but in this particular moment it's like we kind of see the arrogance of this kind of like hero work that these individuals are you know contributing i guess yeah they they feel empowered and um entitled to mm-hmm. use their yeah. powers as they see fit right kidwin pulls out his giant cannon um and like that <laughs> I think that's probably the what does the most damage yeah, on the yeah. hero side, other than Gloria Girl smashing through and like just to be dramatic, smashing a table. Um, yeah, yeah. This one, there's not quite as much like in the aftermath of the bank robbery. It's more of like them not thinking about it, I guess. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, they're they're too busy fighting villains. What who cares if the street gets ripped up or a car gets destroyed or yeah. whatever? Um there are bigger things at stake. They might get away. Um uh, mm. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the love triangle? I did, but I I haven't fully thought it out. Okay. Okay. Uh, so then we have uh, arc four, Shell, in which Bakada explodes a lot of stuff. Um, I think this arc is kind of where the story starts to feel real uh, and the tone of the later parts of the book start coming in. Yeah, there's um, there's very there's a distinct shift here because um, before mm-hmm. it's kind of like they're all, you know, Taylor's figuring out where she's like fitting in, what she's doing. And then now it's kind of like there is that that seriousness to it. Um, mm hmm. And then also there's some, some of the like inhibitions of like, uh, that Taylor has, has set up for herself to prevent her from like, um, kind of indulging her, her, those like violent thoughts that she kind of like brushed away before. Um, she, she kind of like stops, she's like beginning to stop, um, brushing them away as much. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, the arc starts off with the undersiders, um, bonding over shopping and fugly bobs um so first um lisa is kind of trying to help taylor out you know they're they're shopping together for clothes Mm -hmm. um it's like a really nice like friendship scene um but they're both kind of like pushing against each other yeah it's it's a really interesting one in terms of like when you think about uh, what we were talking about before where like she is taylor's like she this is the first moment in a while that she's like had the opportunity to kind of like th- feel out friendship, I guess, again, mm-hmm. um, because because like her friendship with Emma, kind of like that. I suppose you could say like her like friendship muscle has kind of atrophied a bit, um, because like the loss of like Emma as as a friend and like that like close intimacy, I guess, of like mm-hmm. a best friendship having been lost and like having kind of been broken. I think um, this particular moment, I think, is even more like poignant um, because she's kind of beginning to lower her defenses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the only other friend she's had since she started high school was like one person who then stopped after the locker in- incident. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of uh, that is the next section. So they, uh, they at Fugly Bob's, which is such a, such a fun location. It is. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, I mean, it's not like super fascinating. It's just, it's just nice. Um, yeah. And I, I really wish we saw more of it through these, these arcs of, um, you know, just them hanging out like this. Um, so so they start talking about uh, trigger events, um, and uh, we kind of get revealed that it's bad for everyone. Um, I I actually really there's a lot of characterization of of um Alec here, um, more than in other parts of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is one of my favorite scenes of the first half. Yeah, yeah. yeah the it's very interesting, I suppose. Um too in terms of like that is that that is kind of like an expected conversation to happen of mm-hmm. like oh how did you get your power but then it's like yeah most most of them are like very traumatic moments right um that yeah. that i feel like um just kind of like immediately opening up to that when you meet someone else seems i don't know it seems like such an open vulnerability um yeah yeah it yeah, but, and it's it seems so like it it's it's interesting because it's like if every trigger event is is traumatic, then like you know that every parahuman has experienced something horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you might not know what it is, but you know you can see that they've experienced it, right? Yeah. Well, you might not. Um, most other you know mental traumas are not so visible. Yeah, that is really interesting. Of like the visibility of like your past, I guess, mm-hmm. and like your experiences, mm-hmm. particularly of like especially the ones that like can't the case fifty threes, right? Um, yeah. Um, did you want to say anything about the locker incident? Oh, yes. Um, mostly that I was horrified. Yeah. Um, and then also, like, later on, rereading it, like, after I had read through the whole, um, up, like, through Arcade, I was, like, it was worse, mm-hmm. um, knowing who Sophia was. Yeah. Um, I don't, it just, it was just so disheartening, I guess, the, yeah. like, cruelty um that was by such young people yeah um to to compare it to um another locker room scene in in carrie right Mm -hmm. which this book it makes at least one reference to um uh, carrie you know has a horrible incident at the start of of her story where she gets her period and um all the girls in in locker room like throw tampons on at her yeah um or pads i think uh like chanting uh plug it up plug it up which is like oh it, like she she didn't know what was going on she thought she was like dying yeah yeah um and i think this is just like something comparable um i like i don't know if it's an intentional illusion but it, it's like it, it's an event like that that is worse in other ways taylor doesn't you know she's not experiencing her first period and thinks that she's dying but she's shoved into a, a locker full of rotting yeah it's just it's yeah yeah it's such an in- like a very it's very like a viscerally like painful mm-hmm. imagining i don't I just it's very like i don't know i i just I, I i'm a very like naive person i think sure um cuz i don't know just the cruelty of others is just so astoundingly disappointing to me every time yeah yeah um i i think another significant thing here is that taylor just really wants to talk about it Mm -hmm. um she like questions why she brought it up and um like she just that's that's why she she, yeah she just needs to to talk about this with someone and i think uh, it's not very likely i i I think it's it's not said in, in the text but it's a fact that she has never talked about the true like horror of this she didn't talk about yeah. it with her dad and she's never had an opportunity to talk about it with anyone else so this is the first time in three months that she's talked about this horrible horrible thing that was yeah. done to her it's this sort of like cathartic kind of thing yeah um there's something yeah. to be said about like um the the kind of like writing out or like speaking um as as this sort of like unburdening mm-hmm. um where I, I know there's like all these like research there's all this you know science research or what whatever i don't know some like brain stuff <laughs> um where it's like if you write out like the right you write out the list and you're kind of like clearing up space in your mind um which i feel like this is kind of that moment for her where it's like she's been sitting here like chewing on this um and kind of having to deal with this by herself for for three months you know what i mean and and now she's kind of she's kind of like clearing up the space to like be able to kind of like process it yeah i guess more than yeah than just kind of remaining silent and like carrying it around yeah although i think she ends up um uh dealing with it in, in not so I mean, yeah, ways. no, it's yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't, I mean, she didn't process it necessarily fully, you know, healthily, but. Yes, yes. I mean, 
Who has time? Who has time to who, process things correctly? I mean, there's a there's a bombing spree going on across the city. Yeah, that's yeah. it's fair. Um, speaking of, so um, they uh, think that someone has stolen stolen their money and bitch is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, the undersiders are then confronted by Uber and Leet um, before Bakuda reveals herself. Yes, I think uh, if you want to just skip over to the Uber and Leet bit rather than talking about Regent blaming mm-hmm. bitch, and we'll talk about that okay. later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and um Uber and Lead are they they they're kind of um silly, I guess. I I know you mentioned yeah. this, but like I feel like that you you see them cuz like they've got their, you know, video going and all of this and it's kind of, you know, we're as the reader, we're kind of this like we're in we're kind of on the sidelines um as the undersiders are kind of making fun of them and all of this in this kind of like Richard the 3rd sort of way of like you know when he does all these asides and like since we're the audience like we have to sit there and listen and by listening we're kind of like in cahoots or whatever with him Mm -hmm. um it's kind of that same sort of moment of like i mean we're on the side of the undersiders because like you know we're read that's we're we're on taylor's side right but then i don't know it it, there is this sort of kind of i don't know cruelty i guess Mm -hmm. but not in not in like a i mean it's I shouldn't say it's not in a serious sort of way, but it's... No, I, I definitely think that the Undersiders are being a bit cruel here. Mm-hmm. At the very least, they are being bullies, right? Yeah. They're, they're bullying them for being nerds. Like, um, you know, I, I get that they're, like, antagonists in this, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this more once at the, the point where it's re-revealed that the Undersiders are actually villains. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're not great people here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's such like a uh, tonal shift. Yes. Um, uh, is, especially between this and Bakuda's yeah, appearance and yeah. what that means. Huh. Um, yeah. So so she, she shows up um, and uh, revealing that there's actually a ton of ABB gang, gang members in, in the area. Um, they're kind of, uh, the undersiders kind of get held at gunpoint. Um, and then... Bakudov reveals she's placed bombs in everyone, and she melts someone. She yeah. melts uh, Park Park Jehu, which I've memorized his name after reading the story so many times. Mm. Um, so they are then led through uh, a they they are chased by bombs through these cargo containers. They brush with death at least like three or four times, um, and then Taylor commits her second act of disfigurement by chopping off Bakudov's toes. Ah, yes, the toe the. The whole like mutilation thing, and these like disfigurations, um, is like a very interesting, uh, you know, um, tendency I guess that she has mm-hmm. starting to develop. Um, yes. Um, especially because like just when you think about it like symbolically, mutilation um, is it, it can it can hold like different sorts of um, you know meanings I suppose, but particularly with with um, Taylor, she, I feel like she uses it as this sort of like exacting of control over, um, like over whoever she's fighting. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, I mean, I don't like necessarily want, it's not, it's not a trophy. It's, it's yeah. like a utilitarian sort of, this is what I need to do in order to like incapacitate this, you know, um, enemy for a longer period of time than like like a prolonged period of time i guess yeah um as a as a small bit here i think this is a really interesting feature of worms world that 
almost never do people just like get knocked out, mm-hmm. right? In in any other superhero story, people get knocked out all the time, right? A good punch to the head at the end of a fight and they're out, and that's that's the end, right? Yeah. Um, but in Worm, th- like. That can occasionally happen, but more often people like get stunned or like really injured, incapacitated in some way. Um, And sometimes the only way to end the fight is to disfigure, um, as as we see with Lung later on. Yeah. Um, So it's a lot more physical. It's less um, the the fights have to end with a harder hit in a more permanent solution um, every time. Yeah, it it is this sort of like the per, like permanent violence against. And it's it's also I suppose it's interesting too because um, for parahumans it's like their their ability to fight is very reliant upon their body. Mm-hmm. Um, even like just like even ones that like the use other things that like they've built or like that sort of thing. Um, there is this like return to like the physicality because they have changed. Um, because they've had this like moment of you know this like trigger event they've become something more i guess or other i don't know um yeah they there is like a larger reliance on on their body so i mm-hmm. feel like um in order to like in order to like stop fighting and like kind of um the yeah i guess like i the like desecration of of like the their materiality is, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's very prevalent, I suppose. But yeah, I don't know. There's something to be said about it, but I haven't fully thought it out yet. I st- sure. I, I still want to chew on it because I feel like there's more yeah. to think about, especially um, with like the varied levels of what I was talking about before of like how much someone has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, like as they have become In- a pair human, like right. Yeah. Yeah. As a as a small thing, you know, comparing it to other you know superhero genres, almost every other superhero gets like enhanced durability. Mm-hmm. Like, if not uh, textually through their their power, um, they definitely do it. Have it from you know some it, just by the fact of being in a comic book universe. Like yeah, Batman yeah. is not <laughs> as durable as a normal human being. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Um, even though he's supposed to be, um, and stuff like that. Um, and and. In Worm, even if your power is physical, um, even if you, like, clock block or you have to touch someone for it to work, you are, are still, your body's still a human being. Mm-hmm. It's still just as vulnerable. Um, yeah. So the next, in, the next, um, the, the ending of uh, arc four is, uh, we have we have two interludes. Um, first is Caden. Uh, she's a sympathetic Nazi. Yes. The, this one was really interesting. Um not intro. It was disconcerting. That's what. It, okay. Yeah. Yes. It's disconcerting, um, because the language that she uses, like the language she uses to to explain her actions, is like vague enough that that she doesn't completely like um, articulate the underlying um, like racist I- ideology of it. Right. Um, which you know, like this whole like keeping the city safe, putting bad guys away, all of this like. She doesn't explain to herself who she, like, who she deems the bad guys and, like, how she keeps the city safe. Um, mm-hmm. And those kind of, like, gaps, I think, are are very dangerous in terms of, like, just yeah. language and the way that language is used. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about this more in your yes. character analysis? Okay. Yes. And you could just, yeah, say that. Yeah, I want to talk later about all of this. Um, 
perhaps in, I, I feel like I yeah oh yeah yeah in my um character city. Mm-hmm. yes do you want to just say that like yes yes okay hold on okay you're, you're okay wait set it up again set it up again um yeah i i, I uh, you told me you had a, a lot to say about this um but i think you're saving it more for your character study i am yes i i uh want to kind of linger on um Kaden later on in my character study for next week yes um the next interlude is uh from the perspective of brutus one of uh rachel's dogs and he is a good boy he is uh this was this was a fun like style like writing style shift mm-hmm. um i mean the content of it was obviously like very um heavy but i think reading it from from um one of rachel's dogs instead of like from her perspective um i think is is a similar sort of sense of like when we're reading it from a child's perspective or from like an outsider's perspective of we see things that we would not ordinarily see um, if we're being presented the scene from the um, from the character that is like being watched. Yeah, um, I, I also think this is just a really important bit of characterization and empath uh, and a opportunity for us to empathize with uh, Rachel. We see that she doesn't relate to humans very well. You know, she hurts a little girl. Yeah. Um, but she cares deeply for dogs. Um, and I think the first time I read this in um, the aftermath of taking down the dog fighting ring, uh, Rachel is sitting amongst dog blood and, you know, bodies. And mm-hmm. she's just like holding Brutus, who doesn't understand what's going on. And yeah, I, I, I think it, it, it really upset me the first time I read it. Yeah. Um, it's a deeper moment of vulnerability than we've seen from basically any of the undersiders. Yeah. I think that's why yeah. I was like, I was immediately taken uh, with Rachel mm-hmm. is because I absolutely love her. Um, and I think like these sorts of moments, like specifically this moment, I was, I just like, you could feel like how, like how much she felt. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't even know if I can particularly you know, illuminate that within like the linguistic bounds, but like just this kind of, she, she's much like, she, she holds all of this like within her so much and like, and we don't, we don't see it cause she doesn't, she, she has all these kind of like, you know, um, exterior kind of like boundaries that she set up, but I don't mm-hmm. know. It was, it was a very wonderful scene. Yes. All right. So arc five hive, um, uh, in which Brockton Bay wars against the ABB. So we start off with uh, Summer's Rock, the the villain bar, and we're introduced to many of Brockton Bay's villains who are convening to talk about the ABB, who are now on a bombing spree across the city. Yeah, and and the kind of like meeting up of everybody uh, with this like this whole interaction of like we see all them and we kind of see Taylor's like identifying of everyone, um, all the kind of like posturing and silent plotting that's happening um, behind the scenes. Is even as everyone's like, okay, we have to like get together and like keep the status quo um is it's this kind of like inter interesting like balancing act i guess mm-hmm. um which I, I i have more to say about the status quo later because i yes yes but um just kind of this this idea of like creating a truce bef- like between everybody um mm-hmm. in order to deal with someone who's like stepping outside of that is 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 an interesting um not interesting it's it's a notable um precedent to make Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just for fun, who do you find the most interesting here? I, hmm. 
we see most of them as we go through these eight arcs, but I think um, you don't see like almost anything from the travelers. Yeah. Um, so they're the most mysterious, um, but also um, you know there's there's Faultline's crew and uh, yeah, so there's a lot of interesting people here. There are. I I don't know if I had anyone stick out particularly. I was more of like I was more interested, I guess, in kind of how people like were responding and also mm-hmm. also like how the undersiders like set themselves up like physically yeah yes. um that kind of construction and yeah that was the their behavior within like in the villain bar versus like right outside of it afterwards right that kind of shift in dynamic i think I, that that was what i was paying attention to more more so mm-hmm Sure. Oh, yeah. So uh, in uh, the next key moment, uh, Taylor attempts to deal with some bullies. So she ends up punching Emma at the mall, uh, mostly because of her concussion, uh, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I also kind of see it as like her um, inhibitions toward uh, violence are already really lowered. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she's like she's already kind of like. It has been, she's kind of, like, been chipping away at that kind of, like, wall that she's built up for herself um, just by joining the Undersiders. And then, like, now with this concussion, she's kind of like, you know what? I, you know, it's like, I'm already kind of, like, in flux, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But Uh, the next... Oh, sorry, keep going. (laughs) Okay. Um, So uh, she finally opens up to her dad about um, what's been going on. And uh, they set up the school meeting, which um, to me is probably the most significant moment in um, at least at least the first ha- uh, half of this book. Yeah. Uh, if not this entire book. Um, so she she goes to uh, meet with um, it's a it's a parent teacher meeting. The principal's there. Some of her teachers um, and uh, her her bullies and their parents are here, and um, she loses this fight really hard yeah. and it's kind of utterly awful um i've i've read this chapter at least like on on um five like separate like distinct occasions like at, at least you know months and months apart um it ha- has never failed to make me like pacingly mad um i was listening to the audiobook for this while i was cooking and i had to turn everything off and just like so so I could pace mm-hmm, for the mm-hmm. rest of the chapter. So, so I, I, I wouldn't like angrily, you know, flip a pancake or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's it's the the injustice here and like the indignation is just. Yeah, I, that, um, that's a good word. Like the indignation of it mm-hmm. is because yeah. the whole time you're just it's just so frustrating just watching this kind of no matter like no matter the amount of of like proof or like you know her testimony Mm -hmm. like it's just she's fighting against something that she she can't win by herself um i don't know it's just uh it's it's so disheartening to watch yeah yeah um do you want to talk about um the betrayal um the loss of friendship oh yes yes um yeah so the we particularly in the dynamic between like i mean we saw this before um when she was like so when taylor was so um upset at emma like with bringing up her mother and like Mm -hmm. the death of her mother um when when they were kind of like in the hallway um earlier on but 
I feel like this, like the loss of friendship particularly, is something that we don't see as often um, kind of explored um, in like literature in general um, and like media um, as like romantic love. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it, especially especially a friendship that doesn't get back together yeah, by yeah. the end of the story. Is it this one? This is completely lost. And like we know yeah. that it's not ever going to be, you know, kind of patched up even in like an acquaintance sort of way like there's there's like such profound pain like that it has cut so deeply um and it's so like it's wrapped up also within um this sort of uh like the loss of taylor's mother at the same not at the same time but like because there was such like a sharing and like intimacy Mm -hmm. i guess between them um as she was kind of like processing that that the like the the, like idyllic image of childhood has like been kind of poisoned by who her friend has like become and what she has done afterwards um kind of like yeah. if there's like a bad ending to a book you know even even if you love the beginning part like you're never going to love it again because you know right. what it's leading to yeah yeah i don't know it was just very painful yeah um there's uh, I, I think Wildbo is really looking directly at this this cruelty in schools, which is like mm-hmm. really real. Um, and in most young adult that I've read, it's either not a topic, which I mean, not every story has to be about that, but there's a lot of stories that are set in schools where it's either not the topic or it's set to a pretty like obvious good versus bad. Like the mm-hmm. the bullies are bad, or they're you know misunderstood, and they just need a redemption arc or whatever. Um, but rarely do the antagonists like start good, start as a good friend, and turn bad. Yeah. Um, unless they're like the main character or something. Um, so yeah, a- a- Emma isn't just a bully; she's a friend turned bully, and um, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's so it's the, like, so much worse. Because it's also it's not just like she's not a bully who's just kind of exact. Like she, it's not about her trying to deal with her own insecurity like fully just her kind of like choosing whoever it's just like that that flip i suppose i think is what Mm -hmm. makes it so horrible um yeah because Um, i don't know because of that like past yeah yeah um and you know there there is a lot of media that does like show um you know bullying and stuff like that but this just feels so much more real than a lot of those Mm -hmm. um it feels more personal like i don't know a lot of media just shows like you know physical stuff or pretty kind of uh i don't know like tropey and obvious bullying you know making fun of appearances or sexuality and, and things like that not that those at all are um you know uh minor those are very serious but um just the the specificity of of this kind of targeted bullying is is something i don't see super often yeah um but yeah so uh, at the end of this meeting um we just you know authority truly fails her and it, it proves to her that she was right uh, going to school would do nothing yeah. um and despite danny you know doing a pretty good job of you know being a parent here uh, of you know supporting her at the very least mm-hmm. um it's just not enough in the face of all this um so what does Taylor do to cope. She goes out to fight villains ah. to uh not even fight villains. She just joins in to fight people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because violence is her best coping mechanism. Um and, and what I think is is really brilliant about this is that coming off of this school meeting, 
um, we're just as amped up as she is. And we're like, fuck yeah, yeah. I want to kick some pair human heads in. Um, but of course, it's like completely misdirected. Yeah, the um, she she does that a lot of like kind of this transference, I suppose, of mm-hmm. um, her anger and like her frustration. Um, but in terms of like using violence as like a coping mechanism, mm-hmm. um, I, there's there's an uh, interesting kind of like correlation, I suppose, of like kind of the way that she uses like like um, control over like her body to mm-hmm. kind of control her emotions and like her thoughts because like she has we see this before where it's like um how like meticulously she plans everything out and like how she does all this running and like this kind of honing of her like physical form um Mm -hmm. even if she doesn't necessarily acknowledge i suppose like the reasons they're like the underlying reasons i guess of like why she kind of lets that kind of like control over her like physicality dictate her um uh her feeling of control like just in terms of like her mind um Mm -hmm. yeah which i feel like that's kind of why she turns to like mutilation particularly like like taking that control like over somebody else's body sure yeah um as kind of like a way of like under like kind of you know setting her environment in in that same sort of like control Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um so uh then um she goes off to fight um the abb with um uh, she's she's joined with bitch Mm -hmm. and a a bunch of other villains um they they do the fight we're gonna skip over a lot of this because it's a lot um taylor is instrumental in taking out oni lee who's terrifying in my opinion um, she barely survives the fight with Lung, but takes him out with some uh, neuter blood, and then carves out his eyes. Yeah, it's quite a quite a uh, move there. Eye yes. carving. Yes. Ugh. Not not the first. Um, no, it's but... actually the third act of mutilation at this point. Um, although only the second against Lung. Um, so, what do you what do you think of the the justification of this? Yeah. Um. Her. Her justification, she uses um, a lot of... I feel like she does a lot of um, uh, kind of creating, like, rationalities in order to, um, in order to like, justify some of the violence that she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't know if I buy into it. Sure. Um, to be fair, he did regenerate his eyes later. That's... Oh, okay. So he does... That's true. He does I, it's have... It's not a permanent indist- injury. That that makes it better. I mean, but but um, it's also the same kind of argument that we were making before, um, with Amy and Victoria of like yes, uh, with like the skinhead where it's like, mm-hmm. even if we know that you can fix it, even if you know that he can fix it, is it still like justified? Yeah, you know. And it's not like there's not any other way of incapacitating him. Uh, they did have neuter, you know. Yeah. He, I mean, he's bleeding. It just splash blood on lung you know um they, they could have done something is the point yeah, um, yeah. but all right uh let's let's uh continue uh, on um there's a, a little beat here with a uh, uh, bitch sharing her coat with taylor and it's it's really sweet yes. um but we'll we'll talk more about their relationship later on um oh yeah you have a note here about how uh taylor's powers are kind of increased here oh yeah yeah, yeah. i was thinking um in terms of like second stressors mm-hmm. um because I don't know, I, I feel like later on as like there's more action, she doesn't 
like she doesn't notice i guess as much as um earlier like the kind of like progression of her um of her powers where she's kind of there there's more moments where she's like surprised um at how Mm -hmm. it's progressing um but i was thinking i don't remember which moment it was that was talking about like second triggers yeah that's um during gregor uh gregor's interlude yes um that i was wondering perhaps that like school meeting was kind of that moment um but then i i wasn't sure that was just me you know speculating sure yeah um before just before we move on i want to point out uh that uh this is one of the few during this fight is one of the few examples of a non-parry human showing like skill and stuff Mm -hmm. um coil sniper uh is basically the one that defeats um only lee but only with taylor's help obviously um and he's kind of become a meme in the community um why has he become a meme just because like everyone kind of holds him up as like the most badass (laughs) you know non-parahuman ever and like uh you know if anyone needs like a a a plot twist you know they'll sometimes pull out coil sniper or something Uh, like that it's just it's just fun um um, so, right, we end this arc with um, uh, Gregor's interlude. Yes. So uh, Gregor is this really, really interesting Case 53. Um, we see him uh, interact with a uh, courier, basically, and then we see him interact with the rest of Faultline's crew. We mostly get some world-building, Manton Limits, um, uh, world-building about Manton Limits and Case 53s and second triggers and other things, and... Um, Gregor has these complex thoughts on attraction and disability, and um, near the end, he pretends to kill Faultline out of friendship. He's... I really like Gregor. Um, mm-hmm. This this interlude was so fascinating, because he's, like, very philosophical, and, like, his, his, um, like, his inner voice, I suppose, is very philosophical about everything, and, like, kind of aware of his, like, the... his very visible like parahuman physicality um and his kind of unwillingness to to um uh you know put up with other people i suppose and kind of the like attention that that would garner Mm -hmm. um also side note the fact that he like doesn't like and i know that some of them have like this amnesia thing but just the concept of like not knowing your own accent or like waking up in a body that you have like that's not like you don't know how you got it yeah like or that you're they i don't know just the the like having to like readjust to your physicality i feel like would be really disorienting especially if you don't know who you what were you were before. before yeah yeah it just feels wrong yeah uh one, one thing i want to point out is you know because they're amnesia because of their am- amnesia you know they don't remember how they got their powers right mm-hmm. they don't uh remember any sort of trigger event oh, but that certainly doesn't mean that they don't have trauma, yeah. right? They, um, you know, the the just the fact that they are in this, you know, inhuman body um, is is a trauma. Mm-hmm. So, like, e- even those with who who suffer, you know, from uh, a, another consequence of amnesia, they still can't get away from from pain along with powers. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to talk anything about world building? Um, we this is where we learn about Mant- Manton limits, um, which is um yes how powers only affect certain things and and things like that i feel like i feel like i got slightly confused at this moment sure because um so um basically the the mantle limit is 
biological powers will only affect biological things, and thing uh, powers affecting objects will only affect objects, right? So, um, okay. I, I, uh, fault line. Um, she has the power, I think, to like create uh, like cuts along um, uh, along mm-hmm. uh, non biological objects. But if like she can like cut wood in half because the wood's been dead, but she can't cut a tree in half yeah. because it's alive. Was there something and else? Various theories of about how, like, how that works. About like the proximity of like to somebody's body. Like I feel like that was in one of the fights where they attribute it to the Manton effect of like if something was cl- close enough to their body, like they couldn't affect it or something like that. Yeah, I, I think there's there might be multiple moments where that happens. I know Vista's power um, doesn't work uh, when when around people it, it works around um yeah around places okay so okay yeah it could it could have been various moments yeah okay that um, makes but yeah sense. i think it's a it's a great addition to just the the take on superheroes it's yeah. something that explains you know something that's been missing from the genre right yeah, it like it places boundaries in ways that like we want and like need mm-hmm. you know what i mean yes. I don't know, I, like because yes. i feel like there's so much there's so many mo- like you know stories where they don't fully explain the limits or they're just like oh you know it's fine we don't have to but i feel like yeah. wild boat does a really good job of kind of you know looking at those those boundaries and kind of explaining them mm-hmm. uh so then we have arc six tangle in which taylor commits to being a villain mm-hmm. or lies 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 uh so it starts off with uh taylor building furniture with brian there's some romantic tension and we meet uh brian's sister aisha mm-hmm. The even before like they meet up, that it's there's there is that like tension I guess, but I feel like it's exacerbated by Lisa because like I mean I know Taylor's kind of like aware of it, but I feel like the kind of like implications I feel like Lisa's kind of like hmm, this could this could mean something more. Um, like I don't think I feel like Taylor would have just kind of like continued on just kind of noticing but not really doing anything if Lisa hadn't been like do these things. Yeah. Um... It, uh, to skip ahead a little, it's interesting to me that uh, Lisa's power is like definitely telling her that Brian likes Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. But even though that is true, it's not true enough for Brian to like accept her advances later on. Yeah. Although I think there's some extenuating circumstances, but yeah, well, I feel like also like the concept of like being like liking someone versus like having the external pressures, you know, kind of make space for that is very different. You know what I mean? Plus, I mean. We need pining. That's just kind of a prerequisite, I feel like. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and then we also uh, meet Aisha. Mm-hmm, yeah, and um, I feel like this is one of those moments where we see the kind of, like, external pressures um, for each of the undersiders. Like, that it, it's more a kind of what we were talking about before of, like, we see all these, like, reasons why people would choose villainy. Villain? 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 Villain, villainy, villainy, yeah. villainy? Um, mm-hmm. um, because they like they have these other reasons, like these practical money making, you know, like self supporting, you know, family supporting reasons of like, um, like with that kid who the career, um, that you know Gregor was paying, um, to like mm-hmm. you know run his errands and stuff. Is that I mean he wanted to fund college and that sort of thing, and he's kind of like, yeah, I'm willing to do whatever in order to like make this money. Because I need it for yeah. this other thing, but I don't know. It was mm-hmm. just it, it was an interesting kind of you know reminder of like motivations. Yes, yeah. Almost no, uh, 
villains are just evil. Yeah. I mean, there's Nazis. Yeah, that, that's but, true. <laughs> yeah. But like a lot um, of them so have like other the, reasons. Yes, yes. Um, so the next major event is the Undersiders Crash, the fi- fancy hero party, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a really cool fight scene. There's some cool stuff happening here. Um, other notable things is that Emma is is at this. Of course she is. Of course. And um, it uh, this is kind of the final straw for Arms Master, who now fully disapproves of Skitter. Yeah. I mean, I also feel like he was just kind of placating her earlier, but I don't know. But anyway, so there there's also like an interesting moment in in the kind of like the fight um where they they use um the public setting to kind of um dictate Armsmaster's actions um and they're kind of they're which is an interesting like shift I suppose in um the like dynamic of the undersiders um because instead of immediately turning to Brian in this moment, they look to Lisa because she has the information. Mm-hmm. Like she has that kind of um, wellspring, I suppose you could say. Um, and then we kind of see the, the cracks in, in the undersiders, uh, you know, bonds when, when um, Gru is kind of, I mean, I, I, I get that he's like performing for arms master and all of this, but he also like is really kind of like, yeah, sure. Whatever. It's fine. You can, Kill when, when Regent is yeah, is when, threatened, when Regent is about. threatened, um, he has a machete to his throat. Yeah, I like it, it. It's kind of it's not one of those of like, oh, you have a few moments to like figure it out. It's like this could happen right now, and you're just saying it's fine. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think he was probably just betting that Miss Militia yeah, wouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah, but still, it was, it was just such a like. I, I I guess I was kind of taken aback because I kind of you know got mm-hmm. into the rhythm of like, oh yeah, you know, like these are the people that I'm like supporting. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, oh. Yeah. Uh, so there's multiple beats here, uh, as you say, mm-hmm. of the heroes using the view of the public as this shield. Um, and it's like, especially if you were on the hero side, this would be so frustrating. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, with, with Tattletail, they, they control information. Mm-hmm. And with Gru, they control the battlefield. Um, this isn't the first time in this arc it happens. And we'll see it again at the end of arc eight. So. Um, yeah, they're... I'm not sure if there's a third beat within this book, but yeah, I don't remember. I don't think so. But um, yeah, so you have a next. Oh yeah, little... yeah. Sorry. Um, You're okay. There's also um, kind of noticing that Emma is there, and 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 I feel like a lot of a lot of like whenever someone um, that Taylor recognizes at in these moments, she kind of like has those like the vindictive thoughts that she has before. They're like her kind of you know, fences that she's, like, placed in order to, like, stop, you mm-hmm. know, acting upon them. Um, I mean, they're they're pretty well, like, dissolved right now. Um, so yeah. it kind of, like, her, her like, psychological terror, her, her um, justification that she uses at the bank robbery kind of comes to fruition, I guess, um, with the Galagasts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, there's two points in this fight where she accidentally lets bugs hurt people more than she would if she was controlling them. Mm. So she accidentally sends more of the stinging types in Emma's direction, which um, I think we can see as a kind of third beat of Taylor, um, of, of Taylor using violence against Emma. First, she's refusing violence on them at the beginning. Mm. Um, then Taylor uses non-powered violence and, and, and punches Emma. And now Taylor is using unconsciously um, using powered violence against her. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the second moment of her accidentally is she uh, leaves all her bugs when she leaves and they continue stinging mm-hmm. even more than uh, they would when she was there. 
Um, so uh, then we meet Coil, the mysterious benefactor of the Undersiders. He shows how he can control fate and asks Skidder what she wants. Yeah, this this is a, uh, quite the meeting here, because um, she she still has like this this hope of like breaking the status quo um, in terms of like because she what we were talking about before, where she, like she sees on her runs and like she sees as she's going through the city, like she knows. Um, the kind of like uh, the like cracks, I guess, in the foundations of this system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she she has this kind of um, idyllic hope, I guess, to kind of like right. have that that kind of you know reform um, and kind of like to save the city. Um, mm-hmm. But then Coil it really doesn't have that. He has his own kind of plan. Um, yeah, which I I was thinking of him in this kind of like Mephistopheles kind of way, like where he's like speaking to her as if she's like Faust, Faust, Faustus. Yeah. Faustus. Um, in terms of like, like making a deal with the devil. Um, but it's like, you can, there's always going to be like a price, um, and like a compromise. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I feel like I had another thought. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about Coil uh, during his interlude at the end here. Mm, um, yes. So oh, yeah, we'll yeah. have more there. Yeah. So then uh, Taylor goes home and is trapped by her dad. Um, so so Taylor goes home and she starts uh, drafting a letter to Miss Militia saying everything, you know, of, of uh, to, tor- to turn Coil in and by extension the Undersiders. Uh, and then um, she's trapped by her dad. So... She struggles to decide what to do until she kind of decides she she can't do it. She can't turn in the Undersiders. Mm -hmm. And um, kind of the only thing she can do because she can't admit what's going on to her dad is uh, leave. So um, with the help of Lisa, she leaves home. Yeah, this this is uh, it's interesting, too, that she kind of um, turns to the next uh, like person that she she's like kind of dismissed arms master um, after she after this whole fight and now she's kind of like well maybe if like i can talk to a different hero it'll be okay Mm -hmm. um yeah because she still has this kind of like individual reading of each of the heroes at this point but we still we see that kind of breakdown beginning to happen i guess of like her you know kind of disillusionment with um like hero authority i suppose Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this is another major moment that we could talk about for 15 minutes, uh, yeah. uh, but for the sake of time, Sorry. we're going to save most of this for uh, next episode when we talk more about Danny. Um, mm. I, I do, I do wonder though. Like, uh, clearly, you know, trapping Taylor was not the the right way to do it. But like, uh, I wonder, is there any course of action he could have done that would have ended with her um, actually turning in all her friends? Like, I I don't yeah. know. Like. I, I wonder if this um, conversation is kind of just like it pushes her to acknowledge that, no, she can't do it. Or it, 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 I, I kind of see it as her mind was already kind of made up, but she didn't know it. Yeah, I think, honestly, I feel like she's had her mind made up for like a while. Yeah. Um, and and I don't I don't really think that anything that Danny would have done could have made her t- made her change her mind. Yeah. Um, cause it's also, she doesn't, like, she doesn't want to drag him into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and she, she's kind of in her, like, calculating way, she 
perhaps has like she she's been kind of carrying around this this um uh safety net i guess of like saying that she's gonna go and turn them in um mm-hmm. but i i think it's really only that like like just kind of this nominal sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah um all right uh let's move on for the the sake of time yes. uh so the intro at the end of uh arc six is uh canary um so she's kind of being persecuted unfairly by the justice system and she's sent off to the birdcage yeah canary um is fascinating especially because she gets the same sort of treatment as like bakuda 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 and lung um but like the reason for her imprisonment um is very different than theirs um which that was a whole nother thing of like the intentionality of like of her like where's the intentionality when she's saying a threat that like everybody says all the time I mean, not everybody, but like, you know, it's a fairly common thing. But like by just because of her um, like uh, abilities, like it becomes violent and like becomes mm-hmm. this this um, very different situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's it's really clear that text goes out of its way to show that this is unfair. You know, Dragon is sympathizing with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to the birdcage and uh, we see that it's self-policed. Um, which doesn't really turn out really well. I mean, by the end of this, Lung kills Bakuda yeah. to to prove a point. Um, yeah, I I feel like it's kind of I I get the feeling that it's going to reappear this kind of self policing. Um, I don't know, I, I don't know how yet, but I feel like it okay. will reappear. Sure. Yeah. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we have uh, Arc Seven Buzz, in which Brockton Bay as a whole wars against Empire Eighty Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but we start off with Taylor going to uh, going with Rachel to visit her dogs. Um, I, I think this is a good moment to talk about Rachel as a whole. Um, it's because it's kind of like a big bonding moment mm-hmm. between them, and uh, you know Taylor comes in here with Lisa's understanding of Rachel's psychology, and you know they've had a couple moments before, and Taylor not only. Um, uh, just like empathizing with Rachel, but also like stands her ground. Um, yeah, yeah. She she knows how to um, kind of make space for her to enter the conversation. Like she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She like because she has had all those conversations. Like she knows she knows kind of how to like navigate a conversation so that uh, so that Rachel feels comfortable to contribute. Um, it's also this is like the moment when she calls her Rachel and not bitch. Um, mm-hmm. which is like a whole other thing that um, just like the familiarity and kind of this like created and like like um, constructed intimacy, I guess, mm-hmm. um, that kind of like creates, it kind of like cultivates that that uh, feeling of friendship. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Taylor just, just keeps trying to, throughout, throughout these arcs, uh, Taylor reaches out to Rachel and then Rachel slaps her hand away and then Taylor reaches out again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Taylor really works to meet bitch. Taylor really works to meet Rachel halfway between um, their understandings, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's probably something Rachel didn't and doesn't get a lot of. Um, that like you know, people like Brian and and others. Um, it kind of seems like they are just trying to pull her over to the normal understanding. Um, and yeah, Taylor is is accommodating. Yeah. Yeah, she like meets her halfway. That's yeah, that's good. that's a good acknowledgement, I think, of like the difference between 
particularly Brian and Taylor in their interaction there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful friendship here. Yeah. Um so uh then a, a problem arises because Coyle has outed Empire 88's uh secret identities and uh by in- implication um he has put the undersiders in the line of fire. Yeah, this um so this is the second time that like somebody has kind of like broken the social logics i guess of like the kind of the rules of the capes um where he's like pulling in families revealing identities and it's like um i suppose it's it's a similar dilemma to like the first interlude with um like the skinhead and and um amy and victoria where it's like we know that they're like they're they're not grand people we know that they like their ideology is is very like violent um but this is also kind of like a shattering of that that kind of like balance of hero and villain um mm-hmm. that uh it kind of like you know asks for more to like break the rules i guess is that those those kind of the the boundaries i guess of of how everything is functioning are kind of like they get renegotiated because of what coil does yeah um so uh taylor has to go with um Taylor and Brian go to uh, his apartment to kind of lay low, um, but on the way she sees Sophia, and um, Taylor decides to. Ah. Taylor decides that this is the moment to kiss Brian. Um, and basically, it it's it's kind of really done in a, in a selfish way. She's doing it for herself and to get at Sophia. Um, Sophia like follows them I- into a, a bookshop and like really performs this horrible violence against Taylor. Um, and, you know, Brian comes to help, but afterwards, you know, Taylor confesses why, you know, why she kissed him because he, she likes him and, uh, he kind of rejects her. Ah, it's so painful to watch this whole progression. Um, particularly because like the kiss is like, it, it doesn't hold like one singular motivation behind it because it's like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. also, yes, it's because Taylor likes Brian, but it's like also because it's it's like in this visible public space and like it's for the emotional manipulation of Sophia and then all of this. And then I don't know, it's just, it's very heartbreaking to kind of like see that happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it feels a little gross on a reread. I, I, I remember my first time reading this, I was like so happy for Taylor. I, I was like both, yeah, kiss Brian romance. Wonderful. But I was also like, you fuck you, Sophia. Taylor can, can win too. Yeah. Um, but like, if you view this from Brian's perspective, even if, you know, he likes Taylor and even if she's doing it partially because she likes him, like, um, I I mean, I would feel kind of used. Yeah. I don't think I I would, I don't think I would like that. On this read, I was like tense from the kiss on. I was thinking, no, 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 no. I was super tense. Um. Um, especially, I mean, just, just for other context, this is not a romantic moment, Taylor. No, it's not. <laughs> why, I think that's like, why it's even, so Even tense. if Sophia wasn't there, they're, it's a bus. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. whole, this whole progression was just very like, I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time. Yeah. And then Sophia uh, kind of shows that this is not, I, I mean, there's consequences for this basically. Yeah. Very physical ones. Yeah. It was, um. We see, um, we see here also that like, she, Sophia, like in this moment, in this like very like violent moment in the bookstore where she's like using violence, like 
a teaching mechanism almost in addition to like humiliation um she she like she brings up some troubling rhetoric i think about like having a place and like staying in that place and like learning where it is and all this um and just like knowing where like later on knowing who she is um it just seems like a really like something to think about i suppose like that she's this young um ward i suppose where uh but then she's kind of like holding on to these these um ideas about like where people should be and like this kind of like you know um stratifying kind of you know social classification almost i don't know it just mm-hmm. it seems something to think about of like where did, where along the way did she kind of like internalize this yeah yeah um so uh after some some awkward you know tension moments mm-hmm. with with brian um and and taylor uh they have to fight and more survive empire 88 um there's a lot of cool fighting here and uh it ends basically with uh lisa um giving the location of uh, purity's uh daughter um who's been taken by the protectorate mm-hmm. yes and there's more that i will go into um in my character study of of purity but like it's also this this uh return to using like the public um mm-hmm in a fight that the kind of what they were doing before um with uh, arms master um yeah which is just in terms of um like a tactic i suppose it it it's an interesting distinction between like purity and kaiser i suppose um and kind mm-hmm. of like how they think about themselves yeah um yeah i don't know um yeah so uh then uh the undersiders meet with coil basically to to yell at him for a little bit although he just says like yeah i'll totally stop putting you guys in danger mm. you have my word <laughs> it's like okay great super believe him um but uh Cole reveals his secret um that the undersiders had helped him kidnap a little girl uh named dinah who has the power to predict the future and he controls her her with drugs he calls her his pet mm-hmm. um and uh after this skitter realizes that she can't be with the rest of the undersiders because um they they are basically okay with it yeah there's a they really um are willing to kind of look past this um in a way that's Mm -hmm. surprising i mean i suppose it shouldn't be surprising but it is um especially because it's just i mean like it's visible like they like this kid is like right in front of them and they see this happening and and they're responsible yeah like they're, they they hold equal, I mean, I don't know if they hold equal culpability, but they do definitely, like, they hold some amount of of blame um, for, like, gathering her and this sort of thing, even if they didn't fully know at the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, it kind of, this this really, like, lays bare all of, the, all of the kind of moments before that we saw that were kind of, like, you saw the cracks in, in this alliance of these, of these, uh, you know this whole group um i don't know we kind of we see what they're what they're willing to like look past mm-hmm. yeah i i think this is really a moment where we realize oh yeah the undersiders are villains mm-hmm. they're not good people um you know i, I mean rachel kind of gets a pass for her you know she's just has yeah, yeah. unfortunate 
upbringing and psychology and, and it's not entirely her fault but also she's killed people so I don't know yeah um yeah it, it, we, we can reflect on on past stuff of like um you know times where just all the other siders were were cruel to their enemies you know to uber and leet um to victoria and and amy just like really like kind of trying to crush people emotionally uh, emotionally um and uh, other times you know brian using some you know pretty serious violence against um rachel at mm-hmm. times right um like, I mean, when they first meet in, in arc uh, two, Brian punches Rachel in the face, right? Yeah, it's pretty Which, like... I mean, fair. The dogs were attacking Taylor. But, like, this is clearly, you know, not the not the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, later on, you know, we get Tattletail's uh, interlude and we see that, you know, she was uh, stealing and also hurting people emotionally um, in, in her past as well. Um, I, I also think Brian's argument is a great example of the slippery slope kind of mm-hmm. thing that mm-hmm. um I, I don't think that's really exactly the right term but i can't remember um what taylor describes it as but the same thing that she was talking about in arc six with her um in her letter you know looking back and realizing that you've done worse than you believe yeah. um yeah. but uh, brian says that we already ignore all the other bad things in the world why not ignore this too but the thing is, is we shouldn't be ignoring all the other bad things in the world because um it's just that we feel, you know, powerless to stop it all. But um, it's not it's yeah, it's not good to to not care about other people in the world either. Yeah, it was kind of, I guess, the the like not thinking about the, you know, the other bad things in the world is more of like lack of agency. Where mm-hmm. in this in this moment, they they have more, you know, they have more power to like do something about it than other people do, um, which I think is what's so um, like jarring about it is that it's not just like, oh, I mean, this is something that we see, but like we can't do anything about it. It's just, yeah, it's it's within their grasp to do something. And then they still yeah. choose to not do anything. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, in other stuff, it's like, you know, thinking it, the thought there's always going to be, you know, starving kids in in a third in third world countries. Mm-hmm. Right. Is different from there's always going to be little girls getting drugged by supervillains. Like it's not the same thing. Yeah. That we're, that we're working for. Like I, it's, yeah. it's so much closer and like, I don't know, not to say that the other is like worse, but I don't know. Anyways, continue. Sorry. Um, so, so this arc ends, um, t- Taylor flees and the arc ends with the Enbringer mm-hmm. alarm sounding. Um, but uh, first we get uh, our interlude between seven and eight. So we have um, Miss Militia's interlude. Uh, we start off with her in, um, uh, I think uh, I think she's Kurdish and she's um, having to step through a forest with potential traps and she thinks she might die. Um, and then she sees something vast. Yes. This is really ominous to me. This just like this really large something. It's kind of like undefined and I don't know, kind of, you know, all encompassing. Um, but I don't know, it, it kind of like brought up this whole concept that like, I mean, we'll see later with uh, Leviathan of like, where, like who, what are these beings? You know, like how far does a pair of human have to like transform to like lose that connection to humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if whatever this vast thing is, is, you know, a pair of human or something else. Um, but it's just, 
I don't know, there's just some things that seem more unknowable um, than, than kind of like the very beginning quote of like, with Sion and how like, this kind of like golden age stopped and like people realized that pair humans are just humans. Um, you know, they have like the same sort of flaws, but like there's these things, you know, these kind of like mm-hmm. undefined large beings, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, Miss Militia, she talks about as a side effect and we're, we're not sure why she doesn't sleep. And she thinks that that's why she can remember this, this thing mm-hmm. when, um, no one else has any memory of something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's so, um, it's so, I want to know more. Yes. Um, I think this intro is really interesting and there's some other characterization and stuff. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll move on to arc eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we start off with arc eight extinction, this, this final arc of this book, um, in which Leviathan destroys the city. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, kind of huge. It's intense. Um, as as I've said, this is kind of like the point where like if you don't like worm, if you don't like arc eight, you're not going to like worm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, we start off with a lot of uh, pre battle stuff. Um, there's basically storms incoming. Um, everyone is is going towards their their shelters, um, and uh, Taylor and the other all, all basically all the parahumans of the city travel to uh, a meeting location with the with the heroes. Um, where legend gives a speech to the gathering heroes and villains. Um, but of note here is that Taylor is completely alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's kind of like returned to this this like solitude of before. Um, but I feel like it's even worse because like she knows what it feels like to like be in a group again. She's mm-hmm. kind of like rewoken that like friendship feeling. Anyways, um, also, I, just as like a beginning of this arc, like the the way that the um city or not the way no the, the way that the battle was set up and kind of this mm-hmm. like in this much more like detailed way is something I, I i haven't really ever seen in any other superhero story um yeah where it's like there's so much detail to it like there's we know like the like not even just like the description of it but like the fact that the city's like prepared like they've set up emergency measures and they've practiced and like they have all these like you know, stipulations and they, um, Wabo like takes the time to like explain about like who has different powers of like, um, the, uh, the like communication devices and all of this. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's so much more consideration of like how this is going to affect the city as a whole. Um, which it's, it's really like thought out and meticulous. Um, and, and we kind of like see that and then immediately like it's chaos as it begins. Yeah. Yeah, even with all this preparation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, we mentioned this. Um, we, we we talked about this before um, off air. Uh, how you know another superhero story is that I mean the city gets attacked all the time, but almost always it's the heroes responding in a in a haphazard mm-hmm, manner, yeah. right? And it's like um, you know in the Avengers, it's the the six of them or whatever, um, and yeah, they're all they're know, like the making plans like in the middle of it. You know, they're mm-hmm. kind of, like, not yeah. really paying attention to, like, the collateral damage. Um, whereas, yeah. like, with this, it's, like, it's a disaster plan, like, that's been made mm-hmm. by the city. Yeah. Um, as another, um, like, just genre um, world-building thing, uh, I think it's super significant that there's just so many parahumans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
like there's so many that are just like just described and not named and they like actually end up being significant mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm i'm skipping ahead here but there's the moment where um she has to you know abandon that uh that parahuman who's who's floating in the water mm-hmm. um and run towards the shield right um i i forget exactly who it is i think it's shielder but i'm not entirely oh. sure but um uh so, like, Shielder, right? Like, a, a, a parahuman, you know, saving a bunch of people under a force field. Like, that would... It, basically, it, an almost unnamed side character, mm-hmm. right? The story is not going to be about this. I'm, I'm fairly certain that uh, he, like, dies in this. Or an, another parahuman who, who does the same thing dies in this. Um, and uh, in something like the X-Men, right? There might be some generic, you know, powered individuals, but they would never have, like, a significant moment like this yeah, right yeah. where he's you know being a being a hero here um as another moment right there's that that bit with um the hero uh bastion collapses a building on himself yeah, right yeah yeah like he he's introduced and and you know killed in a chapter mm-hmm. um it's um yeah i it just it's it's stuff that I've, i would have never seen in another superhero story and i feel like also like the medium of of having it as as like this kind of written narrative i think makes space for that in ways that like film and like comic like comics don't um particularly because like you can have like an aside of like a description of someone and then like you you don't have to like there there's space for for those um kind of descriptions of different people of like of those of those characters that we'll, we will only see for like a moment mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah, so I think this this uh, opening is really really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we were talking about the you were talking about the preparations and stuff, and I think we can immediately see just how terrified everyone is. Yeah, yeah. Um, the civilians, the you know uh, unpowered authorities, the heroes and villains, um, the rules just around everything kind of dissolve with the rain and the water. Um, like we we see a, a first hint of that when a police officer helps Skitter out, right? Mm-hmm. Like the first one notices her, says as if acknowledging, yes, they know that she's a villain, and then the other one says no and like directs her to somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, such a we, we never would have seen that before in in the previous arcs. And when she gets there, a a uh, metal hero claps a hand on her shoulder mm-hmm. and smiles at her because they're working together. So there's like no heroes and villains here just pair humans and oncoming water um so uh we have a, a, a we we had a question talking about legend about legend speech uh so we'll, we'll talk about that later but i think it's uh really well done um so we have all this preparation and um then leviathan appears uh and he's devastating mm-hmm. he um there's a really interesting like the the way that um well, well like writes the fight scene um has a really interesting or has a very like specific rhythm to it um where like it kind of creates the same frenetic pace as like the actual action um where we we kind of move from the parahumans who were like fighting the Leviathan to um Taylor's like immediate situation where she's like trying to help people and then also like she's making all these observations about her own state of mind and kind of like 
that kind of movement between all three of them um, is like a really interesting uh, dynamic, I guess, um, mm-hmm. that is that gets set up um, in like a fight scene because like there's so much of like the the observations that we wouldn't and that that are really they kind of add a lot to the battle and like we don't get lost in the chaos because there is that kind of like jumping back and forth. Um, but it's also like in her little like small moments of like trying to help we see like how much how how unmatched the two different sides are yeah um yeah i think like where the previous fights have been fights or maybe battles um this is a war zone mm-hmm. um like it, it i mean it really feels more like like a storming of of d-day kind of thing than um any kind of um like there's there's just so much confusion mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. and um helplessness there's um there was a i don't think it happens in this particular moment it's like later on um that taylor has this like observation of uh this like particular street that she would run and like the shopping center and like all these moment like all these like uh particular locations that have completely changed um with this like kind of watery battlefield watery battlefield there we go um is it like this the urban landscape that everyone knows has like completely changed um mm-hmm. because because just because of the presence of um leviathan yeah um just to, just for a moment i want to talk about how cinematic leviathan's appearance mm-hmm. is um since so we have all we have the speech um, and then he's here. He's at the end of this like long corridor of buildings in my mind. And we get like a top to bottom description of him. Um, just a single pause. And then he's amongst the heroes. Um, he's, he's devastating from, from the beginning. And with the armbands announcing the deaths, um, we immediately, uh, all of our preconceptions of how this kind of fight was going to go. Mm-hmm are just gone. Like, I mean, I, I kind of came in assuming like a, you know, maybe Pacific Rim, you know, kind of kaiju fight, right? Or yeah, yeah. the Avengers, right? Where it's like, yes, there will be some losses, but they will be done in dramatic moments and um, and uh, it, they will be for worthy deaths, right? But no, it's like immediately um, there are losses. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the sheer strength of the environment alone is killing multiple capes. It's it's shocking the first time you yeah, read it. Yeah, it absolutely was. Yeah. Um, so uh, as we said before, there's a moment here where Taylor has to abandon uh, saving this uh, drowning cape. Um, yeah. The um, yeah. I feel like in like in her dilemma here, there's like we can see the direness of the situation because um, like she's trying to help, but like even even in her kind of like this limiting thought of like the contents of her belt, you know, we see how how little control she had like is present i suppose um and then it's also like it's a very different situation of like having to abandon someone uh, to a death in like this emergency sort of situation um rather than like her kind of uh, in the fights where she's kind of like thinking you know them or me in this in this more like active sort of way um in terms of like if we if we're thinking about like the you know the morality of it i guess um this is is less about a decision and more about like the limitations of her of her like abilities right because when the wave crashes they're both gonna die if they're not in the shield yeah 
Um, and and I, so here she she tries and fails to save a hero, um, and um, it's it's a tragic moment, uh, but it's also just like really shows you how much Taylor is out of her depth mm-hmm. here. Um, I think at this point I was probably wondering why is she here, right? Her bugs can't hurt an endbringer. I'm sure she's aware yeah, of that yeah. go- going in, right? Um, she, uh, just general knowledge, I'm sure, would tell tell you that. Um, so in this, she's basically just a human who knows first aid and is wearing a, a dense costume. Yeah. But it's like... More or less, anyway. She's still, like, she has this hold on, like, the directionality and, like, the kind of, like, relative location of, like, other people... Um, right. And also, like, later on, she's kind of, like, tracking him. And I, I, it's just, like, a, it's an interesting sort of, like, extension, I guess, of of that um, that kind of, like, environmental sensing that she has. Um, mm-hmm. Where, like, you wouldn't think that her bugs would be able to contribute so much, like, knowledge, I guess. But she uses them in that mm-hmm. way so often. Yeah. Um, so the next um, moment is we have uh, Tattletail's interlude, which uh, actually was a, a bonus interlude. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, he wrote it, Wildwell wrote it because uh, they reached a certain patron goal. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so that's that's rather interesting. That is. Um, so we, what's that? No, that's just that's interesting in terms of like the like placement of it. Yes, yes, um, which is weird because it works really really well yeah, it here. Does. Um, yeah. So we see her, her life, right? Uh, most of her, you know, her story in, in Brockton Bay and then her apparent death. Mm, yes. Her, um, just as like a note about her, like the way that her powers are written, um, the way that her like brain supplies information is, is very meandering. Um, it's not, it's not calculating like Taylor Well, like Taylor will, she kind of like makes lists and like is able to like kind of parse out what she needs to know. Um, whereas, like, Lisa's is more of, like, kind of meandering, you know, this kind of stream of consciousness sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, so it's 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 kind of interesting that she is the one within this sort of, with this kind of, like, you know, uh, power of, 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 like, gathering information when, when she's not really, mm-hmm. like, she doesn't really, like, sort it, I guess, as much. That's true. Um, yeah, and also just the, I really liked that we got to see Taylor. Um, mm-hmm in this moment like we see her with like the paper on her shoulder and like the bugs kind of like feeling out the environment um and and we we see her lisa's understanding of of taylor and kind of um this like balance between like friendship and and solitude and like loneliness and all of this um mm-hmm. which i think was a really important look especially in this moment um just because like we haven't seen that before yeah um from the outside yeah um uh, something I found uh, interesting about uh, Lisa's power, right, is that this is essentially Wildbo's take on Sherlock. Mm. Uh, if you've seen the the BBC um, Sherlock show, um, it's basically represented in this way with like you know thoughts coming up and putting them together. Um, so I mean th- that's that's what Tattletail's power is, mm-hmm. right? It's it's super intuition, but she's completely and utterly different from Sherlock. Like they are not. Um, like there's so there's so many you know uh, Sherlock shows right the there's House right mm-hmm. there's uh, Elementary yeah. if you put all those in the same room they would act in similar ways because they are the same character right but if you put Tattletail in the same room as Sherlock like they would be completely different people which is 
I don't know. It's I just find that very interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's really like all they about like have the same kind of neuroses sometimes. Yeah, that's that is true. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so she uh, basically almost dies at the end of here, mm-hmm. um, but it's not clear if she does or she doesn't. In fact, the armbands do announce that she's dead. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, I, so, I for a while like before before we got to like the conversation between Armsmaster and Taylor. Um, in the midst of like the fighting, I definitely thought that she was dead, and I was like, "What?" Yeah. Um, yeah. But then uh, that conversation was too, like a little bit like read, for sure. hinky, I guess, or like a little bit odd. Um, where he was like, I don't know, they, just that left me like suspicious. So I was like, maybe not. Maybe it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So then, um, speaking of that, uh, Armsmaster f- decides to fight Leviathan one on one and loses. Yeah. Armsmaster is, like, almost frighteningly arrogant. Um, and we see this before, but, like, particularly in this moment, that he's, like, so short. Like, oh my gosh, in all of his fight scenes, in all of his fight scenes, he's, like, he's so sure that he has all the information. And, but then it's, like, he he tells everyone about it. And, like, it's it's almost like this supervillain verbosity where he's, like, chatting away during a fight. And it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha I, like, know all this stuff. And it's like... <laughs> yeah you know that doesn't work out like i don't understand why he yeah uh, he's such a uh, he's so frustrating yeah i mean it's um yeah he's he has the the classic you know uh problem of just straight up hubris right he's Mm -hmm. he's arrogant enough to think he can take on any anything um yeah um so so what do you think of um the i think the the implication during this fight is right um arms master is winning until uh, Leviathan suddenly and unexpectedly just moves a bit faster. Um, uh, it, so just something I find interesting is that it doesn't seem like that much of a difference. Like he's just moving a little bit faster, mm-hmm. and it just I, I, Armist Master's you know prediction equipment probably just like couldn't handle that. Keep up. Um, it's just like suddenly the model was mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, is how I understood it, and the way that um, Leviathan is you know. Uh, taking down arms master is just so i mean it's not mundane because it's a giant monster yeah, yeah. but in comparison to like other media and how a twist like that would happen other times it does feel very mundane he's just suddenly caught mm-hmm. um but um i think the the implication in the text i believe is that leviathan was like always feigning any injury uh but what do you think happened here well, i mean but like the physicality of it like we see him kind of we see like all of his like wounds and stuff don't we like all the injuries yeah. and yes from, i don't know I, I couldn't quite parse out if that like if leviathan was always feigning all of them because i wasn't sure if it was like he had been feigning the whole time or like there was a moment where he like had like a renewal sort of thing of like where he like pulls the water out of the storm sewers or something like that that like mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I wasn't quite sure, sure about how it... Yeah. Um, so at this point, uh, the battle kind of completely devolves as Leviathan runs free. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor has to uh, track him with uh, the help of a, of a pair of human with flight. Um, and then uh, Taylor eventually tracks him to a shelter. Yeah. The um, It's uh, this... We, we see Taylor kind of grapple with her, like deeply vindictive desire again um where she i mm-hmm. think the exact phrase is like a fitting justice you know where she's like ready to leave mr gladly there 
and kind of like she's she um but then at the last moment she's like no like no i should do the heroic thing um but it's it's interesting because like it sits like right beneath her skin like a lot closer um than it had Mm -hmm. before um and we see it like getting closer and closer every time that she kind of like indulges that not indulges but like you know kind of um acts it out i suppose in like a more physical way um yeah you had some notes here about just the battle in general i wanted to mention uh, just like there's there's all these like very specific things that like i really liked a lot just in terms of like the writing of it um because it really like we felt we felt that like the reality of of the situation um where like taylor's thinking about she's like talking with i feel like she's talking to lady photon and like a couple of other people where she's like you know, let's go get this motherfucker. And oh wait, no, maybe I shouldn't say that sort of thing. Where where she's like thinking about yeah. the kind of like social, um, social niceties, I guess. And then like Lady Photon's kind of like the mundanity of of morning breath, where it's like she didn't have time to brush her teeth that morning. And like we wouldn't yeah. we wouldn't see that, you know. And it's it's so cool that we can kind of just sit there in that moment and like, you know, I don't. It just there's a lot more like materiality to the story. Um, that that we mm-hmm. see in this battle. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, Taylor like vomits during yeah. this, and it's not even because of like an effect or anything. It's just, it's just horrible. And, and there's there's just, like I feel like there's another moment, yeah. like not in this battle, but like earlier on, um, where she's like, I can't vomit because I can't pull my mask up, you know. And so like in yeah. this moment, she's like, Oh, I have to pull it up. Where it's like, I mean, you wouldn't think about that, but it's like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you you would have to take the mask off. Yeah. yeah. Um, re- regarding motherfucker, right? Uh, I, I think she goes like, uh, "Let's go get that," and then she has that, you know, back and yeah. forth, and then she says, "Let's go yeah. get <laughs> this kind uh, of." And she, yeah, she has this phrase of like, she she considers a lot of a lot of the things she says is uh, lame. So she says, "I, I said lamely," um, and it, this is not the first case this, this mm-hmm. happens. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's just fascinating that a, a supervillain is like concerned about appearing lame. Yeah. Especially when, like, people are dying all around. I know, it's just, it's um, these funny little things. Yes, I mean, it makes yeah. sense. Uh, yeah. Because she's um, also, like, she's very hyper-aware of, like, how she sits uh, within any sort of, like, social interaction. Like, she's very aware of, like, mm-hmm. her physicality yes. and, like, the way that she's contributing and all of this. Um, so it we, yes. we do see that sort of, like, continuity. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. So, uh, right, she sees Mr. Gladly in the shelter mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it seems, yeah, she almost like wants to leave him to die. She's like so mad that he gets to have a girlfriend and stuff. It's yeah. Her, her anger in this is just seems so out of place. Um, but, uh, we, we, we see her, she leaves, uh, Leviathan goes into shelter and he's like killing tons of, of people. Uh, and Taylor goes outside, uh, grabs, um, the halberd. Uh, Arms Master Halberd and uses it to uh, do one heroic attack to save the civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if we have anything else to say here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it's. I feel like the moment after she does this like heroic attack, or yeah, where she's kind of like left in the aftermath of it, where she's like mm-hmm. seemingly accepting that she's perhaps going to die, um, is that I don't know. She like kind of is thinking about, you know, is this karma? Like, not mm-hmm. about like, okay, yeah. yeah, like this is this is how it ends, I suppose. It's kind of like, yeah. well, what if I 
hadn't let that one guy die. Yeah. Yeah. So in the press of the, the heroic attack, she has her uh, back broken mm-hmm. and it really does seem that Taylor is going to die. Um, and uh, she's like in the water. Um, it, it really in this cold calculation kind of thing mm-hmm. she's thinking about her own impending death right she like thinks through the, what the process is going yeah, to be it's, it's so and there, it's so odd and, and there's nothing yeah yeah she's like first uh first i'll suck in a breath and yeah. yeah yeah um and she's like so completely powerless there's nothing at all that she can do um although she i don't think she even she thinks about her bugs much but i not that they could yeah. do much um and uh there's something else I wanted to say here. Uh, oh, and just that, like, this this death is so um, kind of not dramatic, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's very, or, like... Or, or, that's not the term, but it's it's certainly not... It's it's not a romantic it's death. Not, it's not, like, charged um, with any sort of emotion. Yeah, she's, she's face down in dirty, muddy mm-hmm. water. She can't... There's no poetry about how the water is beautiful or anything like that. It's just dark yeah, mud. Yeah. And... Um, She's she's just floating in it. She's not like currently even drowning. She's not been stabbed, bleeding out. She's like this is a slow thing, and she's just holding her breath, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Uh, so it's yeah, it's I don't know. There's, there's a there's a lot to read in there. I think um, until um, Rachel saves her. Um, she happens to be by um, and and pulls Taylor out of the water, and um, we watch with Rachel as her dogs sacrifice themselves yeah. to fight Leviathan. It's very it's it's very emotionally charged this moment like and I feel like it's even more so like because there is this sort of like cold acceptance of like oh, well I'm going to die and then suddenly it's like your friend and 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 she's like willing to like lose to like sacrifice the the like the her her friends I suppose that like have made her into who she is, you know. Um, and I don't know, it was just, it was just this very, like, wonderful moment between Rachel and Taylor, specifically, like, because it's so, like, demonstrative. Um, yeah. Which, um, I, almost, I feel like it's kind of hearkening back to the beginning with, like, with Lung and, 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 and Taylor being saved by friends. Um, but I mean, yeah. in, like, a more material way, I suppose, but, like. Yeah, I think that's an interesting connection. I, ha- I haven't seen that before, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna also say that uh, every time I've I've read this, it you know, Rachel's it, Taylor being saved by Rachel, and, and after we know that Rachel's really upset by the betrayal, um, and Rachel's like sheer emotion as her dogs sacrifice themselves one by one, um, it's never failed to bring me to tears before. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, kind of as. <sighs> almost to make the the deaths of these dogs meaningless right that the very last second um scion appears and ends the fight yeah it's i mean like it's really an interesting end um because that like the there's so much like destruction and chaos and like like disturbance of like this this environment by leviathan um, it's like this, it's just this huge, like, mess that has been created. And then Cyan appears and is just, like, very silent and, like, very, like, still and just kind of, it, it I, I almost, I, I don't know, like, just the whole concept of, like, why Levi- Leviathan is here is something that I am still wondering about. 
But it just seemed like mm-hmm. in this particular moment that it was like Leviathan was making a ruckus like to be noticed. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like to be noticed by, by... Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just I don't understand why Leviathan is here in the first place, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um like the motivation behind it cuz like I mean besides just like destruction or like just sheer chaos of like this kind of set um set in like the you know Egyptian god kind of way of like chaos for chaos's sake, I guess. Sure. But, like I don't know. It's I don't see motivation for Leviathan. Yeah. Um, well, we'll, we'll find out. Ah, yay, um, good. I guess. I hope. <laughs> well, that wasn't a promise. That was just a... No, no. I can't alas. say anything more. <laughs> um, we'll find out if we find out ah. their motivations. That's what I meant okay. to say. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think this is really interesting that this is both a climax and an anticlimax mm-hmm. of the fight, right? The the dogs are probably more of a... are far more of an emotional climax than, than Sion's appearance is. Um, and I mean, like just how Sion's powers work is just like stilling everything yeah. really like, yeah, it, it's, and, and then the battle is just kind of over it almost immediately. We're just chasing Leviathan away. Um, what do you think of the, um, and, and then it's clear that the capes did not win this on mm-hmm. this own, mm-hmm. uh, on their own and would not have won if Sion had not intervened. Um, what do you think of the expression Sion gives Eidolon, the one that Taylor describes as, um, I think, deep disgust? I, okay, so I originally wrote out that it was like, Sion seemed like this god, disappointed in the ways creation turned out. Um, and I think this is what, like, he he just seems so distant from the rest of them, you know, where it's like, he's he's on this like totally mm-hmm. other track, I guess, you know, where it's like, oh, maybe he's, it's... I suppose another interpretation that I was thinking of was like he was expecting something better from the heroes or from the parahumans, but then like isn't surprised by like their hope of, you know, perhaps collaborating with him or like perhaps beating Leviathan or something. It just, he just seemed, I mean, I also like if you spend 30 years like helping people and like, you know, fighting the, the cruelty of the world, I feel like the, the, arrogance i guess of individuals who aren't capable i don't know i don't know he's i can't tell if he's like just um like disillusioned i guess Mm -hmm. sure yeah Yeah. um all right so uh the fight is over and taylor is brought to a hospital um she is really really confused no one's telling her why she's there they've handcuffed her to her bed um and then panacea comes around and sort of plays mind games on her yeah um they both they're both sort of like sparring psychologically like um yeah there was an interesting thought of taylor's where she's like i'll let her help but like just so if she fucks it up like i'll have someone specific to hate um instead of being Mm -hmm. like oh i'll go through this whole thing of like trying to you know just kind of have this like slower drawn out you know loss of hope of like you know um oh because at this point she's her back is still broken um but yeah so it's just this kind of they, they didn't seem that different in mindset i guess yeah and, and it's interesting how they kind of are both fighting with their views of the world mm-hmm. as well you know taylor's talking about how she views herself as a good person and panacea is like that's fucking yeah. stupid um yeah it's i don't know it, i think there's a lot to 
bring out here. Um, I also want to point out that Panacea is like pretty cruel. Um, I mean, it. She she says that you know, Tattletail and and Taylor kind of did the same thing to her before. Um, but uh, yeah, she's she's definitely not stopping this you know cycle of yeah, cruelty. They, they kind of they keep extending it where they're like, oh well, you know, this happened before, so it's like it's justified that we do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think also there's just you know a little bit of irony in, in this whole thing that if they had just communicated a tiny bit to mm-hmm. Taylor, at least tell her, hey, we are not arresting you in the aftermath of an Endbringer attack, then like everything would have turned out differently yeah. and yeah. it could have turned out the hero's way but because of that policy of not giving information and panacea making things oh. worse um it didn't um especially because it leads to taylor um escaping you mm-hmm. know using her powers to escape uh and accidentally seeing sophia unmasked as shadow stalker this is such a this is such a scene you know oh like we see we see how many like things that were unexplained before are like suddenly immediately explained um by these like like social or like political motivations um especially in like setting the terms of like who is a villain and who is a hero um mm-hmm. yeah it just it just it reveals how how um how there's so much more than just like like individual morality and individual you know um uh, like you know definitions of like what right and wrong is of like mm-hmm. in determining who is a hero and who is a villain yeah yeah um yeah i i think yeah this is a hugely emotional moment uh, it's been a very long time since i read the story the first mm-hmm. time but um i i think i could still you know imagine that shock um of just taylor's horrible bully is a hero yeah. Um, you know, and we we she flashes back and she connects it to why Emma might have stopped being her friend. Uh, so we hit that betrayal beat again. Um, and it's I think it's also really interesting how like this is a huge there's there's tons of emotions here from mm-hmm. Taylor, uh, even far exceeding that when she was confronted with her own death, right? Uh, but like this, like you know, the conflict of bullying, as horrible as it is, is kind of like petty in the aftermath of a fight where you know dozens of of pair of humans yeah, died and yeah. probably hundreds of normal humans and the city was destroyed um but it feels even more emotional emotionally powerful than when scion appeared so i like i think this this chapter it, it's interesting the, the when when you look at the arc right um the fight with scion with um the fight with leviathan actually ends pretty early in the arc there's like a whole three or four chapters mm-hmm. left and it's because like this chapter is the real like the true climax of the arc um yeah well because it kind of like yeah this is we see we see that sort of like with cyan it's just kind of it's it's much broader and she's like in that moment Mm -hmm. like she's in that kind of like large fight but it's it's not as like emotionally devastating um as this kind of like explanation of like why all these things have happened um before and like kind of this is kind of like the fleshing out of like her origin story, I suppose. Yeah. So Taylor is then confronted by the heroes and they try to threaten her into into joining them. Basically, you know, she has Shadowstalker's, you know, mask. And so they're now entitled to, you know, punish mm-hmm. her, send her to the birdcage or something. Um, so in 
so uh, then the other side show up and they kind of help her out a little bit. Tattletail reveals to the heroes, not everyone, not the public, just the heroes, that uh, Arms Master was sacrificing villains' lives for his own glory. And then Arms Master then outs Taylor as a fake villain to the Undersiders. Um, and then at the end of this, Taylor flees. Yeah. It's... Oh, it's so much to happen in like such a short amount of time. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and particularly I think in the moment that what I noticed the most, I think, um, mm-hmm. is kind of the first glimpse that we see of the Undersiders is like they're still they're still not kind of you know forgiven or whatever they're not like you know rejoined, mm-hmm. but Taylor like already knows the the kind of like construction of what they're doing. Um, like she she's like learned how to read them. Um, that. I don't know. It's there's there's um, I I don't know. She's she's like she's now she's kind of left. She has no more like connections where it's like Mm -hmm. there's no there's no connection to the heroes anymore. Like that kind of nominal um, thought of like betraying the undersiders. And now she's not connected to the undersiders and like she's not going to return to her dad. So she's just kind of even more alone than when she began. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, this being the, the climax of this book, um, that, that, like, this scene has, b- between, um, the Sophia reveal and the Arms Master reveal and the Taylor reveal, mm-hmm. there's three betrayals mm-hmm. here. Um, so it's like the heroes and society and authority, they betrayed Taylor by having Sophia be a hero. Arms Master betrayed, uh, the truce and, like, society as a whole by sacrificing villains uh, to get a better shot at Leviathan. And Taylor betrayed the Undersiders by having planned to turn them in. And it's just this, like, broiling pot of of emotions. Um, yeah. And you just get, like, you have a sinking feeling, like, start to end. Um, even if it, like, might spike when, like, you know, we're, we have some righteous in- indignation in our narration. Um, but, you know, it, it, we, we finish on... Taylor's betrayal, mm. right? Yeah. Um, so there's not, this is not a victory. No. Um, so the arc ends with um, a uh, chapter about the Endbringer Memorial. Um, yes, this one, it, it's so fascinating to me, like this whole memorial in and of itself. Um, just like this kind of established place of like public grieving of people known and unknown and like the the names being either just like the names of, of like their their like cape name or like their you know regular casual i don't know um but like the duality of the names and then like and then it's so immediate like it's like five days later that like all these people are like oh yeah like it's it's become a place of not only public grieving but also like gathering where it's like there's picnickers and like all this um it was just like a really interesting or not interesting it was really fast it was really fast of a turnaround of a redefinition of public space um and then the addition of like that uh, Rachel makes of like carving in, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of her her like revision of of um, this like public memory to include her own narrative with her dog sacrifice. Um, it was just like a really lovely moment. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah between just seeing them um, and you know Taylor remarking that it probably took a long time mm-hmm. to do that. They really cared. Uh, we can just picture that entire scene, you know, Rachel showing up at night and doing that. Um, yeah. Um, I, I do wonder if there is a similar memorial for the civilians who died. Yeah. Um, 
because I mean, I mean, there's certainly a different you know purpose for this, right? This is for those who were fighting, you know, to save mm-hmm. people, right? Maybe they might deserve a a memorial, you know, more than uh, others who died more passively. But yeah, I'm just wondering um, what what that is, especially because like you know, people are grieving at this memorial. Um, but the people who are named there are only parahumans, and there's only so many families of those mm-hmm. parahumans, especially only so many that, like, don't want to be outed. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful chapter and a really good end to the first eight arcs as a whole. Um, so the the final chapter we're covering is uh, Coil's interlude. Um, we see that he can split timelines and... Uh, yes, Coil. Yes. He really, he likes power. Um, yes. Which, I mean, we see that obviously with, like, Brian and, like, um, how he's kind of created this, like, cyclical relationship, like this, this you know, um, I guess, like, singular relationship of supplier and and um, subject, I guess, I don't know, um, where, uh, with, like, uh, Dina Alcott. Um, but it's, it's a kind of a gambling kind of power like mm-hmm. the power over the desperate um because it's much more like volatile um especially ones who like the ones who think that they have um control i guess or no no with quail yes he he thinks that he has control um mm-hmm. in a way that i don't think that he does yeah um uh when we have that you know scene in the in the limo in arc arc six we really see you know how arrogant he is mm-hmm. too he, he thinks that he's the one who's gonna take over the city like he it's amusing it's interesting how you know he's acknowledging that yes this is a supervillain trope i'm i i'm i'm not like you know the supervillain trope I'm, of taking over the world i'm not that crazy i'm only taking over a city and it was the the um, quote that he used before um i pulled mm-hmm. out i think the one where it was like uh like he can't he can't stop crime or something but it's like mm-hmm. um He's willing. They are like beasts. Yeah, he it's can like tame. beasts he can tame, which was such a like you know boastful, I guess, kind of mm-hmm. um, almost like naivety to me that he yeah. thinks that he can wield that sort of control. Yeah, um, I think yeah, and, and I think uh, his the reason for his arrogance and his self importance is you know he his power is pretty much I create two two universes where the only thing that matters is my my mm-hmm. choice um because i can delete the other choice um it's he's seeing two worlds where basically only his actions yeah, matter which sort of. i can understand why that creates a sort of complex yes yes but okay so that yeah, is woo-hoo. uh the overview of the first eight arcs of worm um so we went on a little bit longer than <laughs> yes. we expected um, so I think we'll, we'll have to rush a little bit through these last parts and hopefully try to finish this with under three, three hours. Ooh, okay. Um, I think in the future we'll just cover less beats. Yeah. Um, I think then the next, uh, overview might also be really long anyway, because, uh, so this, this book was oh, yeah, 300,000 words. The next one is 350,000. It's the longest of the, the six. Um, so we shall see how that yeah. turns out. Um, but okay, so Clarence, do you want to talk about the book as a whole? Okay, the okay, so the book as a whole was um, I really just the concept of being it was so fleshed out in terms of like plot construction mm-hmm. and like pulling a bunch of different threads all the way through. Um, is that like 
I didn't feel like we kind of abandoned different things um, too fully. Like there was enough, there was enough like ambiguity in the ones that like that Wabo like left kind of loose. Like there's there's enough room to kind of like expand, um, but mm-hmm. the it it kind of progressed really well. Um, and then there was all those wonderful little moments of like details and and observations and like all those all those moments that like made everything so much more tangible. I loved all of those. Mm-hmm. Those were phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Worm is just a really, is, I don't know. Um, you, you, you go in with some expectations and slowly over time, it's revealed more and more that you're only the good expectations are the ones that are there. Only the, the, the expectations for, for cool superhero fights. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those, those stay, but all the expectations of like, you know, powers being silly or the emphasis actually being on the superhero fights, um, kind of go away as you go on um and especially like i'm really happy with this particularly this you know book division arcs one through eight i think is the 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 best divided Mm -hmm. book um because arc eight really does feel like okay so now that you've learned all this stuff about this world now you're going to kind of see like what this world is truly like right We're going to drop all the stuff about, you know, what society is like, and we're going to show you what it's like as a, as a parahuman, what true conflict is um, and how dangerous this world is. Um, yeah, it seems like it's, it really yeah. like kind of sets it up for the, the next moment. Yes, um, which I'm, I'm very excited for you, for you to read. Um, I'm so anxious, too. <laughs> we'll see how uh, pulling out the key moments will be for me. Uh, I do not know. Um, yeah, uh, so um, I, I, um, I'm not sure how much we didn't already cover. Uh, oh, my speculations. No, or no, I guess I don't know. Of just book as the book of the book as a whole. Um, I also want to point out how like it really feels that Wild was like finding his stride over the course of these eight mm-hmm. arcs. I think by eight he definitely has. There's um, definitely much more of like a I rhythm. Think- Yes. Than in some of the earlier ones. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the first four that are the most stumblingly, mm-hmm. but they're not even like, I mean, you know, I, I still really like the beginning. So it's not like it's um, it's like a high bar that gets raised yeah, high. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, so let's go to Clarence's speculations and then we'll go to questions for Clarence and then we'll close out. Hurrah. Um, so Clarence, uh, after having read the first eight arcs, what... Are your some of your speculations for the future? Hmm, I have many. Um, uh-huh. Particularly, I feel like, uh, in terms of like immediate, you know, kind of moving mm-hmm. forward, um, I feel like just in the conversation between between Taylor and Lisa, it seems like she's going to like strike out on her own and kind of like try to do this sort of, um, you know, not necessarily like overturn of the system and kind of like breaking of the status quo. But it seems like she she wants to find some way to to kind of you know address the problems that nobody else seems to be wanting to address. Um, sure. I don't know how that's going to happen. I kind of hope that mm-hmm. the birdcage will appear because I feel like that is a great you know kind of ground for um, for some you know it's a good asset for institutional reform. But you know who knows? Yeah. Um, who knows? Um, so. Um... Endbringers break the rules uh, that most other pair humans mm-hmm. follow. What do you think they are, and why do you think they're here? I, this is a large question for me because I can't, I don't know. Like I don't know mm-hmm. what their motivation is. Um, like I can't tell if it's like 
malevolent or like calculated of like like choosing particular cities where it's kind of this coordinated thing that they're kind of that there's more there's like a overarching plan or if it's just like a byproduct of their nature that they kind of are just kind of going about and they don't really i don't know like i can't tell if it's just kind of because they are what they are or if it's like they have Mm -hmm. a a more defined reason sure yes they're very they're tricky Mm -hmm. um what was the what do you think was the vast thing that miss militia saw Mm. yes this i'm this one it's like even beyond the inbringers this kind of vastness which i don't know it's it seems like it's like not even it's it's what i was at like wondering before i think of like what you know what uh about you know how much of humanity is left in particular parahumans mm-hmm. um or if it's something else you know something beyond i don't know sure mm-hmm. um do you have any long term predictions um i okay so th- this is based on past i guess superhero tropes or just like just in general mm-hmm. like i feel like characters sometimes return um unexpectedly so i'm kind of hoping that her mother does um mm-hmm. but i mean who knows i you, you you never know with those things sure yeah um before we move on to listener questions um where do you think powers come from ah uh, this is the one that i have been thinking about a lot because it's mm-hmm. like i don't I was thinking, I don't think it's like, it, it's very like individually based. Um, but then there's, there's like all these different levels to it. So it's like, what if there is like, what if there's something that has come and like is kind of imbuing people or like, I don't know. I can't tell if it's like externally or like internally motivated. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or if it's like, mm, indeed. Yes. I don't know if perhaps it has something to do with the vast thing that Miss Willisha saw. Anything else? Mm. I don't know. There's mostly just question marks. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Question marks around a lot of things. Um, Okay. Uh, So the next section is the questions for Clarence. Mm. Uh, So uh, under the discussion thread for our our announcement post, we had some questions. So in the discussion thread for uh, this episode, um, we'll we'll be recording the perceptions episode uh, before this episode comes out. Um, So post your questions for the next book. Uh, so you'll post your questions for Clarence, and then the episode after next will be the next overview episode uh, where uh, he'll answer those. And you can also post your themes and theories as well starting now for the next Perceptions episode as well. And you'll also have another chance to do that in this, that's in the discussion thread for the Perception episode as well. So, um, yeah, so just start maybe start thinking about what questions you want uh clarence to answer in arcs 9 through 14 and um what themes and um you know various when i say themes and theories i'm thinking more like like head cannons and stuff like that rather than um you know first time reader theories um but like you know background stuff um of course, with your questions and your discussions, keep them, you know, spoilers for Clarence and, you know, we'll, we'll try not to lead his speculations on mm. too much, right? Um, but okay, so uh, also Avin uh, asks, uh, what do you think about the sudden shift in scope we see in Arc 8? How does it change your expect- expectations for the rest of the story? I think it, the the widening of the scope um, really kind of, I feel like it sets the tone of this could definitely happen more again a lot mm-hmm. um that 
War again a lot. <laughs> I mean, just just in terms of like the way the battle was conducted. Um, yes. Additionally, the way the battle was described, I think, kind of that like what I was talking about, where it's like this bouncing back and forth of like how large the battle is, but then we get those small moments. Um, it makes it seem like that that sort of like large scale battle could definitely be a recurring situation, especially if she's like going mm-hmm. around, you know, perhaps doing some institutional reform if she does who knows sure um they also ask what are your thoughts on the interlude format and how it expands and or foreshadows the story um the format i i really like um because it it even if there's not necessarily like a a moment of rest within the interlude it kind of by its very nature creates that um and then we get a lot of you know explanation and exploration of um uh, you know, storylines and, and pieces of the world that we would not see if it was just Taylor. Um, and we get a lot of different mm-hmm. kinds of perspectives. Um, cause like all the information that we're given, um, of like a lot of the ex like, um, kind of like this expository sort of stuff is from Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think kind of getting other people's perspectives really kind of, you know, uh, opens our, our eyes, I think to the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, so Cohen uh, asks, Many of the characters introduced in arcs one through eight became fan favorites throughout the community. Why slash how was Wildbow so effective at characterizing them? Um, I think because there was so much, like there is so much space in writing kind of this novel, um, in, like instead of like the the character development that has to happen in like a film or like a comic, like there's so much more room in ter- like just in terms of like the the amount of language used. I think there is that space to like to develop characters, um, mm-hmm. and then also Wildbo is just very good at kind of making them memorable, even like even in a moment um, mm-hmm. that they kind of they all kind of like stay in your mind, and you're like ah I don't know they they they're all they're all um, like notable in their own way I suppose sure um, this is a, a question from from me right now uh, <laughs> who's your favorite character right now. Um, Rachel. Okay, yes. great. Cool. I mean, she was also like immediately. That's wonderful. Yes. But well, not, not immediately, 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 but like I'm immediately sure. when I yes. met her. I was like, yes. Even even with at yes. the first meeting with the with the biting That's, Rachel, yes. the dogs and Rachel because she was cool. She seems so I mean. cool. Like I I love oh. the one. Like I love okay. characters that like seem really tough, but like are also very like soft. You know, on okay. the inside, full yeah. of emotion. I mean, sure. not soft, yes. but like emotional. Yes, those are wonderful. You know, yes, yes. yes. Okay. Um, uh, Vladislav uh, asks, um, "What uh, what do you think about how the story tackles uh, very real social problems? For example, criminal gangs varying from Empire eighty uh, with a very real mm-hmm. premise to a more fantastical uh, lungs. I am a dragon. You are now Asian. ABB. Um, I think the the um it feels a lot more like the okay the weight of it um of like the very real social problems but then also like this more fantastical um the implications of both i think are felt like within um the world like we get we get a lot of that from taylor like she she articulates a lot of the the very like tangible aspects of it. Yeah, the um like the gangs are in her mm, school. Yeah, yeah. Like there's signs we, and stuff. We feel that like the like it it doesn't feel like 
um, kind of, you know, abstract or like far away, like it's very much, you know, we see the material um, complications of all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Rid Tom asks, in terms of superpowered societies, is there something unique about how Worm presents it compared to other modern interpretations? Mm. How would you define uh, this difference if this is so? I think it Worm definitely presents it uh, differently because because um, of all like all of those like social precedents that um, we see where it's like they have the cities like prepared and like that kind of dynamic between the heroes and villains is already established and like those rules those unspoken rules um, are already you know are established and then also Taylor's able to articulate them and and Lisa's are able to articulate them. Um, and then also like the database, the database that like Taylor can just the go to and go online. like yeah. go to the library and like you know research all of this. Um, so much so that she's like able to like pull from that database of knowledge um, in the middle of a fight. Um, just kind of the amount of knowledge I think and information gathering is is much more like fleshed out. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think that's also additionally like why so many of the characters. Like, we like them so much is because we have that information about them. The information in the, in like yeah, the database? Yeah, yeah. So or we have that things? like background information already established. And then, like, uh-huh. then we interact oh. with them. And it's like, ah, here they are. You know, it's just, there's, there's like an added depth to them, hmm. even if it's yeah. just like a small yeah, okay. moment. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's less time having to spend on, uh, on mm-hmm. that sort of yeah. thing. Um, so we had, uh, multiple users, um, uh, both Vladislav and um, also Avin both asked about, about uh, ta- uh, Tattletail's uh, cops and robbers mm-hmm. idea, asking if you agree, what does it say about Lisa and the world, if her theory is correct, and what if it isn't? Um, and then Vladislav also uh, compared Taylor uh, Tattletail's theory about cops and robbers with Legend's um, This Is Why Society Tolerates Us speech uh, before the Endbringer fight. Um, like, are they different, same size, different sides of the same coin, um, and other things like yeah. that. Uh, basically, there's a lot to talk about here. There is. Uh, and it's also, like, it's um, the the way that they've set it up, like, I think that kind of dynamic between cops and rog- robbers um, of, like, one, they both need the other to exist. You know, this sort of, like, they are, they define themselves based on, um, the like, not being the other. You know, where it's like I'm a hero mm-hmm. because I'm not a villain, or I'm a villain because I'm not a hero, um, mm-hmm. and and kind of those. But then at the same time, it's like I am also that because I fight. I automatically will fight. You know, the hero. Or I will fight the villain. Like all of those, like kind of ways that 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 dynamic works. Um, I think the cops and robbers description really kind of fills it in. Um, which I mean, I I was going on immediately like when I read this that it it had that kind of like. Uh, uh, Michel Foucault, who's like this French um, the theorist, I guess you could say. I don't know. He, I don't know how yeah, to describe yeah, the Foucault. Literary theory is all mixed up with like yeah. philosophers, and it's it's the line is not very clear. But like he he um, like has yeah. this whole um, you know uh, theory about like like uh, that dynamic of of like the police needing and like the institution of the police like needing. Um, crime, crime in order to exist to do stuff yeah, yeah. and then like they yeah. they 
it's like they create the conditions for individuals to become like lifelong criminals in order for like both of them to like for the institution of like um of like governmental you know policing to exist so it's like Mm -hmm. they they like justify themselves i guess with this kind of like tentative kind of you know social balance i guess yeah um to to relate it to to legends bit um so legends speech right is focused on this is why society mm-hmm. tolerates us right the, because of there's endbringer attacks they tolerate us because we're the only ones that can fight the endbringers um and it's it that's interesting because this is a, in kind of an uh, opposition to title tales cops and robbers yeah. thing right um cops and robbers is why do heroes let villains go and legend is why does society tolerate any yeah. pair of humans not just heroes and villains um and so it, it's interesting because it's like, would legend say the same thing? Would, would, does legend say the same thing? Um, this is why society tolerates us when talking about heroes versus villains. Like villains are why society tolerates yeah. heroes. Yeah, it's kind of this. Um, that That is also an interesting because we don't have the perspective of the civilian. Like we don't yeah. know what they're like, what people think about them. Besides, we, I mean, we get a couple of glimpses of, like, this sort of, like, celebrity sort of thing, but um, there is, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the celebrity sort of thing that we see does align with Tattletale's Cops and Robbers, so that heroes are just, like, the local, you know, um, the, the local sports yeah. team. Um, it, it's, but it's... I, but, like, there's a danger I, to it, like, I, where it's, like, mm-hmm. almost like an appeasing sort of thing of, like they have more power than us so it's like i don't know yeah yeah and i mean like uh, um in in tattletales you know speech right she talks about how oh it's harmless fun mm-hmm. right um you know the bank the banks are insured you know there's stuff like that and it's like okay i can maybe excuse stuff like the bank but robbery like, there's, where, a, like, there's a lot of like non-harmless fun, like yeah, very harmful yeah fun. i mean the Right, we the the interlude before that arc is Victoria mm-hmm. and Amy, where uh, we see how uh, one of the the criminals in Empire eighty eight, a superpower gang, um, you know, mercilessly beat yeah, up this woman. Yeah. And um, I mean, like, there's a superpower team of Nazis that definitely do kill people. Bakuda kills yeah, people. Yeah, it's not. Right? <laughs> it's not like and, a. And, and yes, um, uh, the cops and robbers thing, like the. The society did team up against that line being crossed of Bakuda, you know, blowing up the whole city. It wouldn't have gone after her if she just killed Park Jehu. Yeah, it's very much right? like I'm sure of it. They're willing to look past any sort of violence or any sort of like, um, you know, like cruelty that doesn't break those rules that they've set out. They really only yeah. act when it's like when their unspoken, you know, kind of logics have been broken, like with with the coil and like with. Um, Bakura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when the when the status quo is like s- very much yeah, rocked, yeah. not just like murder is within mm-hmm, the status quo. Mm-hmm, I think absolutely. So, uh, um, Vladislav also asked um, uh, when it comes to wards uh, who are both expected to be underage law enforcers and are used as child soldiers during an endbringer attack. Um, is this necessary when dealing with both adults? Is, is this society tr- tolerating us thing um, necessary when dealing with both both adults and teenagers who, who all have different equivalents of firearms on on them that they can't discard? Mm. 
That that is really interesting. I didn't even think about that in terms of like the inbringer tech of like. I mean, they are they're like teen like teenagers, you know. That they're. I mean, just in general, like if during the wards interlude two, right? Like, do do children need to be fighting crime? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't. That that does seem kind of not grand, because like you see, like they haven't they haven't fully developed their their like um or like solidified their like moral grounding i guess you know what i mean yeah. like like teenagers like that's that's kind of what it's all about at that point is like you're figuring everything out and you're making mistakes and like it seems like a hazard to have people who are very prone to kind of like that sort of like growth in life or death situations yeah yeah mm. um the last uh, angle on um, that question, uh, what? how do you think the cops and robbers idea reflects on Lisa? Mm. It's also, that that is, she, because I suppose in that moment, we don't realize it when she's like articulating it, but she's also kind of like justifying her previous actions mm-hmm. of like kind of, you know, messing with the, the shop person, clerk, clerk. yes, thank you, <laughs> um, where she's kind of, you know, not really thinking about, I suppose, the the extent of her her words, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, because she kind of she she fits into into she knows how to follow uh, those specific rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't really seem inclined to kind of step back and and acknowledge. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, she doesn't want to be seen as a bad person. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that is all the commentary we have uh, this week um, for uh, our overview episode. <laughs> yeah. Only three hours of Ooh. stuff um, of arcs one through eight. Um, so next week is going to be our perspectives episode where uh, Clarence and I are uh, going to be uh, presenting some character studies, our, some essays on, on these arcs, and um, just some other little bits and stuff. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll basically cover everything that – well, not everything. <laughs> Language is not totalitizing. This is some of the things that we uh, didn't focus on uh, this time. Yes. Yes. Don't, 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 it's not possible to talk about everything. Um, uh, Then the uh, week after is going to be our overview episode for episodes nine through 14. So as I said before, um, you guys can start leaving your questions for Clarence and your themes and theories um, for those arcs in uh, the comments of this thread and the next one. And um, the thread will be in the description. Um, Okay. All right. Um, so uh, just just to talk about some other stuff that is going on in Doof Media, um, the first thing you guys will want to know, um, obviously, as your worm readers, you you like Wildbo. Um, uh, as you might already know, We've Got Ward had their finale last week. Uh, what you may not know is that this last Wednesday, uh, two days before this episode comes out, a secret episode um came out um an interview with Wildbow. Mm. So Scott and Matt sat down with uh Wildbow um and had a long conversation. It does contain ward spoilers, which is why I haven't listened to it yet. Um but I have have heard it was great. Um and um 
So uh, you guys can go listen to that. Um, also, for those who may not know, Wildbo was also uh, interviewed during All Packed Up, the Deep Impact uh, 24-hour live stream. So if you've read Packed, you can go listen to that, uh, which is in the now renamed uh, Pale Reflections podcast mm-hmm. feed. Um, and of course, last uh, tidbit of information, if you've been out of the loop on Wildbo's stuff for a while, you uh, may want to know that uh, Wildbo's newest work, Pale, has just begun. Uh, at the time of release, there's probably, what, like five or six episodes out? Um, or of chapters, mm. I mean. Um, and I'm loving it so far. Um I'm I'm kind of hoping that it becomes the new entry point where like Worm has always been the entry point to the to the fandom. I'm hoping that Pale becomes another one as it's supposed to be a, a shorter work. Um, um, yeah, that does seem. I, I've begun reading it. It I like it so far as well. Um, so yes. if you like what we do here at uh, Doof Media, consider donating a, a single dollar per month or whatever else you can afford. Um, and it's due to the generosity of our patrons that we're able to create shows like this. Um, patron dollars are what pays our hosting fees and how we're able to purchase like this microphone I'm using. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash doofmedia to see all the patron rewards we have. Arguably, the best one starts at the $1 level, which is access to the Doof Discord, where uh, Clarence and I and the rest of the Doof cast and all, all of our wonderful patrons hang out. Um, I actually really like it there. It's it's a really nice place. Um, just just such a nice, you know, pleasant community. Um, and we talk about a lot of things. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really proud to be part of that Discord, actually. So highly recommend that. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can, of course, uh, comment in our discussion thread. Um, you can also send us an email at decomposingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I was very proud to get that Gmail. It's very <laughs> cool sounding. We are the Decomposing Podcast. That's really cool. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, and, of course, consider sending us uh, or giving us a rating re- review on uh, you know, iTunes, on uh, Google podcast google play podcasts whatever it's called um stitcher or wherever else you listen um, because those really really do help um next week is our perspectives episode for this book um by this time by the time this episode comes out it will already have been recorded because we can't read book two until we record that episode so we want to give ourselves extra time given that it's three hundred fifty thousand words um uh We won't be able to address audience questions um, until the next overview episode, but we'd love to hear what you guys thought of this. Um, That's all we have for y'all this week. Um, So join us next week on our perspective episode. Ah, where we'll use literary theory to delve deeper into Worm's unexplored themes.